was hoping Clark could be here so I could give him enough abuse, but, you know, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Welcome to Proton's Hour of Power, as people on Twitter are calling it. Thank you, the fault for that one. Anyway, welcome to Bits and Beasties, episode 32. If all the others were the beginning of the end, then this is the coup de grace. With me tonight, we have the main show's captain and content, Bouncy. Hello, Bouncy. Hello. And no one else, because Clarky, well, he was ill and he pulled out and you know how these things go. Bouncy, as you're a new host to us, would you mind giving us a, a, a slight history of your gaming and mainly PC things related? Yeah, well, this is this is the bit the awkward bit where I have to kind of say, <laughs> not really much of a PC game, but that's the kind of the general rule of thumb with the, the main shows team. You you can't actually be much of a PC gamer, otherwise Kev won't talk to you. So it's the ethos, isn't it? It is. So, but secretly, I was I brought well, I kind of I have a good heritage of PC gaming, but not ever in any kind of realistic way. So so my big gaming introduction to that world was Bullfrog, and their games of the nineties, and that was. For me, about three years of my life just got sapped away into Theme Hospital and the Dungeon Keeper. And... See, Theme Hospital is, is ace, and if I could get it to work on my copy of Windows, I would. But that in itself is a technical mastery because you have to use DOSBox, and I'm not clever enough to use that unless I go to GOG, and I think they already they do all that. But it's interesting you say Bullfrog. Um, they brought out a game called Flood. Have you ever played it? Um you're a little ball of snot and you basically you ran, you're in this sealed room and it very slowly filled up with water and you had to go around and clear all the rubbish and get out before the whole place flooded and right. you eventually drowned and that's basically it for 30, 40 levels but this this was on um, the Atari ST Ah, okay. okay. Uh, that, that that was my first proper computer. The uh, the lovely green background you couldn't change the bombs that went across the screen when you got a virus it was, it was great fun <laughs> I can say when you started talking about a ball for a game I hadn't heard of, I got a bit worried there. I was like, "What?" There's one of me. I must assume my mum had just like cut out all the adverts from the magazines <laughs> just in case I asked for another one. But um, yeah, it's it, it's for me. It was because that was the time when I was doing my secondary education, and that was the point I could f- convince my mum to buy a PC because I needed one for my schoolwork. <laughs> and um, so then it was a case of, well, what can you get that's relatively inexpensive? And of course the kind of the bullfrog stuff went quite cheap quite quickly mm. and these are days when you could still you got a decent sized box of a pc game then you and, did uh, you know I, I kind of liked having them so i kind of built up a collection of games that i'd read about and really wanted to play so yeah like, i got the big leisure suit larry box that had everything in it and a book yeah because uh, i'd always like dreamed of playing because i love point and click yeah i, I was I, I like that kind of sense of humor mm. got it played it absolutely adored it and uh still love it now so yeah it's um it was just kind of Grabbing those games, getting shareware, going around friends' houses, playing Worms and oh god, yeah, Worm, Worms is great. <laughs> yeah, it was it's just a time of, of great exploration. And of course, it was also the time of really weird copy protection. So Worms had the the black paged book that you couldn't photocopy. Uh, ah, ah, right. Copy protection. There, there was a point and click game on the Atari called Maniac Mansion. Yeah, you heard of it? I've heard of it. Yes. Uh, they brought out a, a second one called The Day of the Tentacle, which is a you can still get now, which is still a good point of click game. But Maniac Mansion had the fantastic copy protection, which was a, uh, a fo- uh, an eight-page A5 booklet with 
um, it was like 30 columns and about 100 rows, so that it was really tiny. And it was basically all in red and blue, like typed over each other. Yeah. And, and you needed a bit of like red plastic to see the code behind it. But you didn't need to use it to begin with. When you got to a certain point in the game, there was this door and you had to enter a code. And then you need it basically went on like column 30, row 50. Okay, you're fine. Da da da, AZ3Q. And, and if you did it wrong, uh, the door would blow up like an atomic weapon and that'd be game over. You couldn't do it. That, that was just a, a strange sort of copy protection. But the, the other thing was there, was, there was another character in there, sort of a geeky fellow, who, if you got him to do the door, he wouldn't do it. He would just go, now I know what I'm doing, bang, 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 and it blow up, game over. It's just strange little comedy moments like that as well, yeah. which is which is always good. It was it was a, the best of times. Yeah, nowadays mm. we've got kind of always on DRM and all that stuff. And all they really need to do is come up with a way to tackle the internet's ability to, to make it render useless. The Legislative Larry set uh, came with a book and a lot of them said, yeah, go to the book page in a manual like those ones. Mm-hmm. But one of the Legislative Larry guys, it asked you questions. And one of them said, how old are you? I'm sure it was. I put, I put down I was sort of like 42. And it went, sure you are. And game over. And I just thought it was brilliant. And I can't remember now exactly what the age, you know, there was an age range you could put in. And then it basically believed you. But um, that, was, that was just fantastic. So, yeah, that whole time was just kind of dipping my toe into the water, playing stuff that would run on a middling PC. And, yeah. and just getting, getting access to stuff that, like I said, I'd read about but not really had a chance to play too much. Good. There's there's certainly um a lot more out there in the PC gaming now with uh, all the cheap indie titles like Hotline Miami. That's a that's a cracking little number if you've played it. Um and uh, Civilization Five, which is something I'll be, be talking about in a bit, and I think you will as well. I will be yes. Right. Uh, let's get on to the next section then. Games played. Um, I was going to have Clarky first and then sort of mix it around, but obviously he's pulled out and yeah. So I'm going to start with you, Bouncy again. That's all right. That's all right. So yeah, with with obviously knowing what's going to went on, I thought, well, I better crank up my PC and see if I can get it cool enough down just to run something. Mm-hmm. And uh, originally, one of my four in February that I'd been running through the main show was Gianna Sisters Twisted Dreams, um, which I, I loved the original. I had that uh, years and years ago, uh, which is obviously the one that got sued to hell out of water by Nintendo for basically just being Mario with two girls. Oh, and wow. uh, and this one was it was that but repurposed into a really nice-looking world. So kind of if you take Mario and Trine, you get this, which is which was sold it to me immediately. And so I loaded it up and noticed it was very, very laggy between the audio and the sound. I thought, well, that's fine. A lot of games, they run early on max settings or what they think you should be running, and then I yeah. could just turn it, I could turn it down. But there were, there's no option in-game to turn it down, so I had to exit the game, start up again, choose what settings I wanted to go through. So I set them all to the absolute lowest possible and it was still like push the button and half a second later something happened on the screen. Wow. And I just thought, well, that's that's the game. I'm probably going to be able to play just... (laughs) (laughs) Which surprised me as a small downloadable game that it was obviously more resource heavy than... And I assume it's something to do with the the way it's lit and whatever. They haven't kind of sacrificed their vision to be able to play on the smaller machines, whereas some games, I mean, I was playing the Sim City beta a couple of weeks ago. Oh right, how, how is that? It's it's very good actually. Um, the original going way back, I always wanted to be able to play, but I always got so annoyed with trying to set out water pipes and electrical cabling that I, I couldn't hmm. just get to building a city, which was 
kind of the whole point of buying it. Uh, with this one, they've they've really good, gone to town on it. So you lay your roads down, and your mm. roads then dictate your city. So you don't n- now have to put pipes or yeah. electrical You literally just chuck a water tower next to a road, and it will automatically feed outwards from that point That's good, to then. all of the properties. So it's, it's, it's not simplified it to the point where it's dumbed it down. It's simplified it to the point where you're not wasting a lot of time on silly little finicky things yeah r- running running pylons and water yeah pipes and, which yeah. you know i mean it's, it's nice if you want if you want to get in for that kind of thing there are far more hardcore simulation pieces of software than the SimCity anyway mm. so i think what they've basically said is well look, we've now got this huge audience that we picked up from the sims franchise because a lot of people that's that will be their input to what is now sim city that they'll have had the sims ah they won't they won't know sim ant <laughs> or sim copter or Anything. <laughs> so what they've basically done is taken what was great about SimCity, right. and then all of the populace are Sims. So that so some people will come in and go, "Oh, look, it's, look, it's a little Mary. He's, he's talking the Sim language." But it's just nice that it's still that kind of feel. Can you can you still with that that being the case? Would you be able to zoom right in? Because I, I again, I'm going to talk about my Atari. Uh, I had SimCity on my Atari, and it was just so the graphics were so basic. The people, a bit the cut, you didn't see people. You saw cars, little yeah. dots getting in traffic jams because I couldn't build a proper motorway or anything like that. It was all, um, yeah, no roundabouts, bloody Americans. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'll die. yeah. You can you can now you can now go in a lot further than before, and yeah, you mm-hmm. can see people walking on the sidewalk, and you can kind of all. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people, but you can pick out between the, the different people. And so, if you want to go to the town hall, you'll see one of the mayor, the mayor or the advisors standing yeah. there waving at you. So, I mean, uh, it's there, but it's not too much. Where it feels like you're just playing The Sims from Sky. Right. It still feels like Sim City, but it's got that character from those games, and it would be a ridiculous thing to say, "Oh, let's not let's ignore." Like one of the biggest selling franchises on the last ten years of PC, just because he's got the word sim in it, we don't need to put it. Of course, they need to put it in because he's mm. going to bring people across, and it's a, it's a richer game for it, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, just uh, absolutely astonished. But to get it playing, the first screen on on the beta, as I say with Jan, it was everything was set to kind of reasonably high settings, so all the textures were just flashing at me. <laughs> it's just like, ah. no, no, we're not going to do this. So I had to turn it down, and it basically looked like an Amiga game by the end of it. But um, yeah. it, did, it, it, it was still a playable game. It didn't matter visually. No, no, no. Vi- you vis- know, yeah. From yeah. my point, my, my only concern at the moment is, because I'm definitely going to be buying it, is how big can my city get before the machine struggles even on basic visuals? Because there's, a, there's only going to be a certain limit before it's going to go no <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing now if it's anything like um civ 5 um you can change the the way you look at it whether it be in the sort of funky graphical intensive 3d mode or just a simple top down like it probably should be if, if you're into classics like that um the, the one thing that really um i'm concerned about is the fact that they mentioned it was uh, always on drm that you'd always have to be connected to the internet um yeah, I think I think this is an issue though with a lot of things going forward because a, a big focus and they, obviously I didn't get to try this in in the beta, but a big focus is the cities are going to be kind of slightly smaller than they would have been in previous games, particularly four. Mm-hmm. But the the emphasis is on multiple cities. So if you and your friends are all playing in the same area, you can each build a city. So I could have a very industrious city, and you could have an educational based city, and then you could literally share resources around. 
So I think, obviously, if you design the game, and Bungie have said this about their new game, Destiny, it was announced today, that's also going to be always-on internet connection required. Right. Even if, even if you want to play single-player, because it's designed as a cooperative group experience. So I think with this one, you know, A, you've got that level of how do you keep it connected to origin how do we make people forced to take the service etc etc but also actually is the experience going to be better if it's taking in all this information from outside so for me it's not a big issue but you know i know i know there are people that do take kind of <laughs> take on bridge with the idea of having to it's, be on i don't i think the main problem with it is say you know your your internet goes down or you just want to turn the computer on or not go online i know your computer automatically connects to being online, but there are certain times when your internet's off, and I think, you know, I want to play a game, I can't play it, oh dear. Mm. And that's it, it's just the ability to not to play the game without having to be permanently connected to someone else. Yeah, I, th- I think the other issue as well is a lot of these games are made with kind of in their mind, they're thinking, well, okay, it's just like San Francisco. If you live in San Francisco, you've got internet wherever you are. You mm. can go, I mean, there's that famous Google video where they're in the back of a car, constantly connected to the internet while driving through the city because there was so much accessible free wi-fi of course here particularly where we are obviously fenland wise (laughs) you know you're barely lucky you've got wi-fi in your house when your wi-fi is on let alone Uh, my my (laughs) wi-fi my wi-fi lasts to the end of the road which is good because it's about 50 meters but i have noticed that bt openridge have started laying cable down my road which is an absolute godsend yeah. So I'm going to be looking forward to some decent speeds instead of the um, 5 meg upload or whatever it is on speedtest.net. It's incredibly bad. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I don't know if you've done it's, it. Well, I'm quite lucky because I'm quite close to the exchange where I am. Mm-hmm. So I get decent speed because of just the proximity. But it, it when because BT recently as well, they stopped uh, kind of strangleholding my connection. But there was one point where I had a phone call from BT. It was hilarious. They they basically said, oh, we've noticed your account's been using quite a lot of download. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. Um, she goes, but, you know, we might be able to save you some money. Let's just have a look. See if you're on the right plan. <laughs> so she went, let's just have a look at your last month's download to see if you're anywhere near the 100 gig limit that's set on your unlimited plan. Huh. And uh, she went, oh. She goes, oh, well, you have quite heavy usage there so oh, just have interest how much 290 gig <laughs> i was like yeah I'd probably, probably best stay on the on the unlimited scheme just but you're not supposed to use that much and i said well i had Why this not? argument i had an <laughs> argument before but they, they they came back and said well we can do it but we have to traffic manage you between six and midnight in the evening because obviously you're a heavy user i said yes that's not a problem i do most of my my work during the day or kind of yeah. very late hours of the night but the reason they've stopped doing that at all which is obviously a kind of filter back of people complaining because now even if you just want to stream a hd movie that's a lot of data so if you have your kind of stream managed between six and twelve it's not good it's it's not going to help so i think at least they've reacted to that i mean i'm not a big fan of bt but for me they've generally been quite decent but there is around here you don't have much choice that's the thing no there is is a huge amount of of choice so anything's better than nothing i think is the the best phrase to put there it is yes it is i've i'd um i had a very bad experience with sky um i'm I'm not lying here when i said i was on the phone to him for five hours trying to get the details so i could buy my own router to use that and then only to have someone tell me i couldn't use my router because it wouldn't work with sky what are you on about cancel i literally uh, i was pretty much in tears by the end of it because i was just i just wanted my internet to work yeah um 
and then I basically phoned up Sky afterwards and instantly cancelled my. Um, I've been with Sky for five years for TV and all uh, the whole package of movies, everything. I thought no, bollocks, I'm not having this, so I cancelled it all. And now I've got myself a Roku box and I stream Netflix and a BBC iPlayer. Yeah, and I haven't seen an advert in maybe nearly two years. I know it's 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 the weirdest thing. Like we've got, I mean, we have um, we have Love Film. And we have, I mean, the Xbox has been great in the front room because it's got yeah. all my apps. I said, yeah, to the missus the other day, when we came up to, well, just for Christmas, normally what I used to do, and I have done for years, I used to buy the Christmas Radio Times, go through it with a pen and say, <laughs> I want to see that, I want to see that, I want to see that, because I didn't miss anything. This year, I bought the Christmas Radio Times, I lost it after a week, didn't care where it was, because I don't watch anything live anymore. No, I don't. And it's and why would I? I if I want to watch an episode of Doctor Who... I don't want to be watching that when I'm trying to get my youngest to bed and having him charge it about. I want to just watch it. So I pick it up later, watch it in HD on the Xbox, and I've watched yeah. it when I wanted to watch it. It's a good time, it's convenient. And I think that's kind of, for me now, I, I, I can't see any reason to subscribe to anything that's going to cost me more than a fiver a month. Because nope. Nope. It's, I get far more entertainment from that. Particularly, I mean, Love Film, although obviously working for Blockbusters, it's sort of a cardinal sin to say <laughs> you subscribe to it but it's mostly for just tv stuff I, yeah. i've just been watching through the killing again um the other day i started watching the the first series of black mirror again prior to the repeats on Ch- the new series on channel four uh, are, just are, you, of, are you a fan of charlie brooker then oh yes i've been for years and um when he did dead set Mm-hmm. I just thought this is exactly what anybody that's ever worked with a video game would do if they were given the lucky position to write something for TV. It just felt like, mm. A, somebody just knows media brilliantly well, is incredibly sarcastic, incredibly satirical, but also just knows how to put together a really good series of events. And, and Black Mirror does that. So he, he's, he's got a TV program at the moment. Instead of his um, TV news uh, review of the year, he's actually got a weekly one now. Yes, I've been watching it. I have as well, and I have got that in my list of things to to um, talk about. And I think we were actually talking about games, and we went on to Netflix and somewhere else. Yeah. So yeah. So I'd failed at Giannis, because that was the that was the thing. But then I went to Theme Hospital, which obviously I've briefly mentioned earlier, mm. um, just because it's one that I can run, and we got that through good old games, and it does run nicely on yeah. our system. Um, and the only reason we bought it originally was that the misses. That was the first PC game I got the missus to buy when we first got together. I said, well, you'd love this. You'd absolutely love this. She loved mm. anything. She had Theme Park on the Mega Drive was the closest yeah. she ever got to it. And I said, oh, you've got no idea what you've been missing. So we bought the PC version and then our original PC died. So we then picked up the PlayStation 1 version, which yeah. she played for then up until like last year. She kept playing that, going back to it. So we then, because it, it was it was a weird one, Theme Hospital, because like you said, it was the hardest one to get working. Even when we bought, eventually they brought out one on the, the I think it was the sold out range or yeah. the white label. Yeah, and they said, oh, it'll it, work. Yeah. It's, com- it's compatible, but my machine's a uh, 64-bit uh, Windows 7. It was only compatible with 32. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, <laughs> what's this? <laughs> you made it compatible with every PC apart from the one that I've got. So when good old games said, oh, you know, they had, I think they had a sale for two quid. And it ran. I thought, well, if it doesn't run for two quid, I don't mind. I'd rather yeah. give good old games two quid more. And uh, and then it ran. And so she went onto it and then immediately had that problem. Anybody that's ever gone from a PS1 adaptation to a PC game back to the PC goes, there's so much more content than I do. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? What are all these diseases I can't remember ever seeing? And um, But yeah, it's just a glorious game that doesn't age or date because it's always relevant. 
running a hospital, hospitals don't really change that much. And because it was all fantastical machines, they haven't Stupid aged. Stupid machines. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was talking to um, like two of the guys, Alex Trowers and... Uh, I'm trying to remember the other guy's name now. I'm not name-dropping, but another one. And they, they worked in Bullfrog in the 90s, and they worked specifically on um, Andy Nuttall was the one worked on theme hospital. There was a long time. There was a rumor that in the game, there was a machine that basically um, delivered a baby. And so the idea was, it was something like a football, <laughs> a football boot that kicked the stomach and pushed the baby out the bottom. Nice. And they decided to take it out because people were starting to call it the abortion machine. Oh, and uh, so they, they cut the content. So I just said to him, Oh, is this happening? And he said, no, it wasn't designed, but we have a feeling somebody may have coded it in anyway <laughs> and just left it there. Because there was also there was the multiplayer mode in the original that never got finished, but it was What's there. That? Um, yeah, and you could, you could basically somebody create a patch that finished it and you could then use it and play the multiplayer on it, which is fantastic. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that Bullfrog work... It, it's a, it shows a different time in game development when you work to a deadline but you were actually working to a deadline. So they were yeah. still content there. They just didn't finish or they abandoned, but they left the code in and then obviously somebody found it years later. But yes, yeah, so th- as far as they were concerned, that was never official designed content. But obviously if it's there, they don't, they don't kind of doubt that somebody might have gone in and gone, you know, it'd be funny. <laughs> just put this machine in that squeezes a baby out of a woman. But yeah, um, and so I've been sort of middling around with it when the wife's been off the machine and it's still a great game that it is. just hasn't aged and it's i think isometric uh, pc games with a certain vision i mean dungeon keeper one hasn't aged brilliantly well right. but it still looks yeah. better than dungeon keeper two because dungeon keeper two went for full-on like polygons yeah. whereas dungeon keeper one had kind of that gritty grainy kind of sprite based stuff so weirdly the first one's aged better than the second one uh, with theme hustle because it was all 2D sprites in an isometric world, it just it just looks just looks charming now as as much as it ever did, and I'd love to see a HD remake just just purely ported over, nothing changed, just yeah, some so, better so graphics it, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's all it needs because the music is perfect, the sound effects are perfect. You know, having the the first thing I heard, turn it on, doctor attending psychiatry, please. <laughs> it's Australian. It's like I remembered sitting there. 15 years ago playing that for the first time and that's all you want from a good game yeah is that be able to go back to it so yeah after playing a lovely new shiny brand new one that couldn't run i had to go back 15 years to <laughs> get a decent experience out of it nothing wrong with that um no. you, you talk about isometric games you bumped something else in my head um did you ever play fallout not at, on launch, but I, I did when Fallout 3 was on the way because I'm, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to, I don't like playing, I don't like reading anything that's in a sequence if I haven't read mm-hmm. the previous. So I went back and played 1, 2, Brotherhood of Steel and Tactics before playing. Oh, t- t- see, ta- t- Tactics, I think, is genuinely a separate game along with all the PlayStation 2 ports and all the other. Oh, yeah, but I still, I still wanted to just to see everything. Because if they were going to refer to anything, I needed to know what they were referring to. Right, and so I just went back to it. If you've played the first, for, uh, the first one and the second one, what, what did you think of them? I was, I was very, very impressed, and actually a little bit annoyed at my younger self for not seeking them out before. Mm. Uh, it's exactly the sort of game I would have bought and loved. Oh um, yeah, no, my, um, my, 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 um, the, the things that I remember because I, I do need to play it again was I managed to get to the town. I can't think what it fucking is fucking called. But I managed to find a spike knuckle duster and a BB gun. So, as you do uh, with the VATS thing, I thought, oh, okay, I'll um, shoot him in the testicles with the BB gun, and I did. 
he fell over unconscious with one point screaming in pain and then I went over and punched him in the eyes with my spike knuckle duster and killed him. I thought, well, that's the combat for you then. And um, <laughs> later in the game, um, I think it might be the second one on this one, um, you, you end up on an oil rig. Um, no, spoiler alert, on an oil rig talking to the president. Yeah, I managed, I managed to pick up a, a, a minigun and attacked loads of them and goes, oh, you've, you've attacked um, Super Mutant for 1,300 hit points, making him dance to the tune of lead. And I thought, that's, <laughs> that's the sort of thing you love, isn't it? Yeah, the, the, de- the level of detail in those games was just brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and and I liked. I mean, that's in New Vegas. That was something I liked, where you could they kind of had argued against putting funny little bits like that in the game, so you had to actually have it as a, an unlockable perk where it put the really? the weird content back in. So if you if you didn't choose it, you couldn't find Indiana Jones's skeleton in a fridge, and oh. you couldn't find the quote from Monty Python on the wall in one of the camps and stuff. But yeah, it's just they said, well, it might be a bit too much. Is that what you're thinking? But too they did much. They, they put it in there as content, and because obviously a lot more of the original teams worked on New Vegas than they did on three. Yeah, and uh, just want I think they just wanted to stamp a bit of authority <laughs> back from Bethesda, just going, no, this is our game. And then they were like, well, we'll just put it in there as a perk. Then ah, stiff you, they could choose if they want it. And of course, most people did. Mm. I, I actually don't remember seeing that, but I think I got to. Um on uh, New Vegas. I got quite far into it, but I don't remember seeing that as a perk. Yeah, I'm just trying to remember what it was called now. Um, <laughs> I may have to do a quick Google, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, I'm pretty sure it was a perk. I, I'm, I mean, I may have even been wrong now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Someone will put us right at some point when they listen to this. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I may be the content person, but I'm sure it's something like Strange Encounters. I'm just Googling that. Um yeah, here we go. Wild Wasteland, it was called. Oh, I do uh, think I remember seeing it. is the most bizarre and silly elements of post-apocalyptic America. So, yes, there you go. Oh. Um, so, it was there. I was right. Ha, ha, ha. Stiff you, people who review me badly. <laughs> I knew what I was talking about. I just didn't know the right words or have the confidence because you keep reviewing me badly. Fuck them, <laughs> Fuck them. But, yeah, but it was nice it was there to give you, like you said, for that game, that was what sold it. Cause, and that was the thing that Bullfrog got so right, is they couldn't rely on visuals. Although I, no. I think the Bullfrog games did look great at the time, but they were putting the, the, the character and, and stuff into the games far more, and that's why people bought them and loved them so much. I mean, Dungeon Keeper, just being able to backhand an imp across the room. <laughs> Yeah, that that it wasn't part of the. It re- didn't really help too much. It sped them up. I mean, they had to put a gameplay mechanic in. Otherwise, it just looked sadistic. But <laughs> I mean, I just I just slap them until they burst. Sometimes I just have pure frustration. See, that's that's as as taking a, a a deeper look at it. That's that's pretty much today, isn't it? Everything seems to be very more um how better looking it is instead of some actual thought in it. Yeah, but yeah. let's not get too deep about that. <laughs> um, right. What have I been playing? Um, I've been playing quite a few games, um, as I as I usually do. But whether I put any actual time into them is uh, is another thing. Um, the two I have been putting some reasonable time in is uh, a, a little indie game called Antichamber. Um, I found out about this via a tweet from uh, Jeb, the uh, one of the developers of Minecraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said it's his mate's game, indie game. Now it's out tomorrow. Bye bye bye. So I went on to Steam and bought bought bought. Basically, and that was it. I didn't even bother looking at it. I thought, okay, um, I've got a lot of respect for people who code Minecraft and Minecraft in general. So there's this week's Minecraft mention, um, <laughs> and it's absolutely insane. Have you seen any footage? Footage for it? I've um, well, 
it's, it's, it's another one of those games that as soon as I heard about it, I was like, oh, I really need to be getting that as, as soon as possible. Um, but I've, I've kind of deliberately stayed away from seeing too much because the concept itself, as explained to me by a friend, was mm-hmm. enough. Um, so, yeah, it was just, it, it basically said, oh, you know, you, you just manipulate, you can manipulate things. And it's batshit crazy. I was like, I'll do. That's enough for me. <laughs> the, um, the manipulation bit comes a while after into it. You have a lot of puzzles to solve before you get any, shall we say, tools of the right. trade. Um, I've seen three or four different ones, and I've only got one, and I've put a couple of hours into this. Um, let's take a, a small example of the sort of thing we're, we're dealing with. Um, you can go into this room, and in, in this room there are nine cubes. Uh, that fill the room. You can walk around like a grid. On each face is something different that sort of goes to the back of the cube. So it's visually visually different. Now, on one of the cubes on the other side of the room, you look on all three different faces and it's got little things you look at. But but as you look on the last side, you can see another room. So you walk into it, turn around, and everything's different. The game doesn't follow physics as it should. Um, another one is um, you get these little signs on the wall you read and, and it says oh well, just keep on going and you, you walk around a corner and you think you're back where you are but you're not it, the, the walls slowly start getting thinner and thinner and thinner and then you emerge on this bridge and you can go forwards or you can go left and right and do all sorts and one of, one of the other puzzles again this isn't going to be a spoiler because it's one of the puzzles early in the game you turn around this turn around this corner to see a door, and the door comes down. You walk at it. There's no buttons or anything like that. I'm thinking, how oh, do I do this then? So I turn around and walk back, looking for something else. And then turn around, look at the door again, and the door comes down. I'm thinking, ah, the oldest trick in the book. Don't look at it. So I literally faced the other way and walked backwards, and then the door came down in front of me. I went, oh, silly little things like that. Mm. Yeah, um, it's it's insane, and it's about. 11 quid on steam um yeah. i can't i can't really talk any more about it because it's bananas <laughs> i mean you, you, go it's on. A, my friend is that's the problem he had is that he said as soon as you talk too much about it you, you lose that kind of wonderment and the mystery of, of kind of going into a game and it's true there are a lot of games where if you're aware of what you're going to see before you see it you're either waiting for it to happen and then you're a little bit disappointed. Well, I do apologise. <laughs> no, no, no. Because, you know, I've seen, I've, I know a little bit about it enough to say that's what it is. But I'm trying to stay away from gameplay videos. Mostly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's no. That's a I visual would. thing. And, um, yeah, it was, there was a game, um, I'm trying to, uh, Prey, that came out. I think 2K made that. Oh, right. Not, not 2K. The, um, the people that did uh, Duke Nukem, whoever they were now, I can't remember. Oh, God. Monolith. No. I think it was Monolith right. did did uh, pray but it was it was a launch title for the 360 and there was a bit in that where basically it was like a cube on the floor it was just a normal storage crate but when you went around a certain side it was then a portal to another area so you'd like flip and you'd be upside down and and it was a mechanic that was then used brilliantly in portal but it was mm-hmm. like four years before portal and nobody went mad about it because the game itself was generic and it'd been delayed it had a very very long like development cycle yeah so it kind of just got ignored but when i played that for the first time i thought i was so pleased that i didn't know about it because it was just like, whoa, that's a really cool... And it, 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 dis, it kind of made me feel a bit stick because it disoriented me a bit. It was something I hadn't done in a game before, which is, I, which is what you always want. I'll tell you, um, if you like little odd games, I, I discovered a game called Slave of God. Have you, have you heard of it? 
No, no. Not a lot of people have, and I'm struggling to remember who actually made it. I did mention it on one of the previous shows, so there's an excuse to go back and listen to it. Um, you, you basically um, start off uh, in a club, and you're not told any controls. You're not told what to do or anything. I've wandered around in it, and I've done uh, quite a few different bits and pieces. Um, some of it's quite funny, some of it's odd. But the one thing that will strike you, um, are you are you are you uh, sensitive to flashing lights? I'm not. No, no. You should be all right then. Um, <laughs> it looks like you're gone into the club, either horrendously drunk or off your tits on pills. Um, visually, it's insane, and the music is club music and it's banging. Um, <clears throat> I found this game at three o'clock in the morning because I couldn't. I had. I, I've mentioned my teeth before on here. Um, I've now had two teeth pulled out. Um, I was I was literally couldn't sleep because of the pain. Um, so I've just had the thing on. I was just wandering around for games and bits and bobs, and I found this, and I played it for ages. It's um, I didn't want to sleep after that. Put it that way. It's it's <laughs> fucking insane. Um, right, next one. Uh, Civ- Civilization Five. There's been quite a resurgence of this in the forums. Um, quite a few of us. Um, Basically, normally, the, the people that normally play the sort of things together is, is myself, Absilus, Fat Ball Bloke, or uh, Cavino2012, um, and we've got Sigs playing it with us now. Um, single player is okay, but I find it boring after a fashion. The thing about it is, when there's four or five of us playing this, it's great, because we're all in team speak, we're all chatting shit to each other, and then we all start bitching about all the um, barbarians that won't ever fuck off. Um, I don't know if you had the problem with the barbarians yourself. Um, yeah. Um, there's two different ways of viewing this. You can have it in 3D mode, where you can sort of spin around and do this, that, and the other, or you can have it in classic mode, which is basically, um, it's like a board game, a, hex- a hexagonal map. I don't know if you saw that option. Yes, I did, yes. I've, um, flicked. Well, I was trying to find the save button. Oh, right. Um, I was in just the tutorial mode because it was the first time I played it. And mm. weirdly, the whole tutorial mode, you can't actually save your game. So uh, whereas I should have been able to just st- save the game and then be able to play further, I actually either had to play the entire game in one go or just scrap the whole thing, which is a bit weird. So yeah, while pushing all the F keys, trying to find which one would just come up quick save, which normally, you know, yeah. the same ones in every game, it just suddenly changed the other view. I was like, oh, that's quite good. I like that. Then put it back straight away because it was like, it was, I was impressed it was running reasonably well as it was oh yeah so, no, fair um, enough but yeah um i think it was a really nice idea just to kind of take it right down to the kind of core simplified version that that's that's how i like playing it i've played it like i played it like that on friday night for two hours and now i've tried it with the other one and i can't understand shit too <laughs> too many graphics it's not enough game for my liking that's you know going back to how games used to be in it with the like we were saying with, uh sim city yeah, I mean, well, ultimately, it's one of those things of design over content, and mm. with 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 Civilization, I mean, when they when they did the revolution stuff for consoles and the iPad and stuff, mm. the whole point was they'd simplified it down in terms of gameplay, yeah. but it didn't really, it didn't visually look any simpler, really. And what they needed to do was just take it down visually and make it a bit clearer as to what to do, because you could still do a huge amount of yeah. depth of gameplay while retaining a very simple interface on screen. And, and that's what you get with Civ-5's kind of hexagonal mode, is it just takes away, strips away, or that, well, you don't need the sea to be rolling and fish to jump around. You don't need to see pits and valleys and stuff. You just need to know 
what's what, what resources where and and who's who and and it does that immediately and it's a lot quicker to kind of just identify where you are i am um, I, I barely know how to play i had um, lessons off uh some of the chaps on Teamspeak. i didn't know you put workers down you built a mine <clears throat> on your gold and then you could take them off and do somewhere else i thought it because with, with with the games I've played, you normally tend to have to leave someone there to mine it. Yeah, you have to leave yeah. workers there, but you, that's not the case. You just put the mine there, and you can wander off and do all sorts of things. It's um, it's it's a game I'll be playing more of, and hopefully next time I'll, I'll be able to talk a bit more about it because it's just um, it's amazing. I mean, the, the game we the game we were playing uh, Friday Saturday Friday Saturday night um was the four of us playing it, but I had to go because I was being summoned and um saved it and off we went so we, we can all hopefully make a time again to come back and load it up again and carry on yeah yeah so if you, if you want to get on on that bouncy stick team speak on and we'll all well that's it i'm, I'm chat shit <laughs> just getting myself to the point now basically getting my hand, hands around playing a game like that on the pc again because it's just been so long well and we, I, I went back to age of empires 3 was what i went to first man. Thought, well i'll play a bit of that first <laughs> get into but actually that was a, a bit of a a kind of the misstep because Civ Five is actually a bit simpler and a bit more user friendly than Age of Empires was. But you, yes, to some point, I've kind of gone in and I've now got a game that has got ridiculous depth but looks great as well, which is mm. <laughs> it's, it's very strange. But no, I've played about five hours on it between last night and today, and uh, I can see that sapping away my productivity every time I sit at this desk. So I may, <laughs> I may have to uninstall it at certain points in the week just so I can actually get on with what I need to be doing. We've we've uh, we've converted Steve to more PC games because uh, during the week we tried a how many eight person match on Civ. Yeah. But the problem is that we we seem to have figured out that they didn't bother finishing the multiplayer aspect. Um, right. So any more than five and it breaks. It literally it cannot handle it, but which is a pity. I'll be writing a letter of um, misery to the Civ Five developers and asking them why they haven't fixed it. But um, other than that, yeah, when we, when we were all in it and it was running, it was great. All yeah. shout, shouting abuse at each other and doing this, that, and the other. It's great. You should, you should come on, Bouncy. It's a laugh. Oh, I will. I mean, I think yeah. Obviously, there's the long running thing that yeah, the main team are so anti PC. We're not. I think the big thing for us is our main game delivery method is console. Hmm. But there are some experiences you can't better than on a, on a PC rig. So obviously Kev will say for ages about sitting there with his bloody ice cream cones, but hmm. he, he plays Football Manager. And there exactly. are management games you can play on Xbox, but he's not because he needs the depth and the detail that only the PC version will give him. <laughs> so I think, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a misnomer to sort of say that we hate PCs. The difference is if there's a cross-platform game, we're all more likely to go and grab that immediately on console. But, you know, for me, I mean, I'm not quite as into indie games as I should be. I bought pretty much every indie bundle there's been for the last two years, but I'll probably only play about 10 of the games. So I keep saying to myself, go, go back to it, go back to it. I'm very keen on supporting that and getting involved in that and, and trying out new things. But it's just a time element. And I think the other thing is, Big PC gamers, their PC is in their place where they would game. Mm-hmm. Where and so, whereas mine's just in a desk in the corner of the room because I use it essentially for just running websites and writing articles. It's not really set up for a long period of time sitting comfortably. Yeah. But I'm now starting to 
move that around as is the general rule of thumb as you start getting into it so I'm now <laughs> I've got the, the keyboard now is able to be sat on my lap turned sideways leaning backwards foot up on the sofa and I'm away comfy so, chair uh, yeah comfy chair there you go kicking myself out and uh, <laughs> and that's all you need to do but it's it, I think it's that obviously there's something on the running order that will come back to that later so I'll, mm. I'll stop talking now but yeah it's definitely it's definitely something that I'm looking to do more of where, if the games are right yeah the the um uh, I, I, was, I, as I said, I initially came into gaming with with the Atari. Uh, the, well, if we're going to go all the way back, the five, uh, the five thousand two hundred with the, the one with the wooden stripping panels on it, mm-hmm. the cartridges. Um, but I've, I've generally been a console person myself. You know, that's that's how I found the forum. That's how I find found everyone here, and that's how I got into where the, the place I am now. So, yeah, I do, I do miss my uh, my console, but. I think Xbox One in forty quid a year is is still taking the piss a bit, but yeah. yeah, I think I think yeah, it's it's good to have choices, and I also think it depends. I mean, for me, I'm quite lucky that the wife doesn't mind the console being on, yeah. but for a lot of people, it's not an option to have no. that on in the evening. So then that can push you towards the PC side of things. Um, if you haven't got necessarily a room to have as a, a kind of man cave or whatever, yeah. you can just sit, put your headphones on, and off you go. You've got you, you still got your world of gaming albeit using a piece of equipment that for some people they just don't use enough yeah that's basically what's happened to me otherwise you know the tv in the other room would be on permanently on the xbox but she likes to watch um, netflix and stuff like that so yeah she's happy watching films constantly and the kids are happy watching bbc iplayer and mr fucking tumble so yeah <laughs> but i've spoken about mr tumble before um right so bouncy what are you gonna be playing this week well, continuing with Civ Five, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I need to say much more on that, really. <laughs> just continuing with it. Uh, I did. I will say I did try and start out as a nice, peaceful coexistence form. Doesn't last very long when you've got no. barbarians constantly <laughs> sailing past the cities, saying, "Oh, can you hit me? Look at me!" And then your city gets a big red target. Say, so click this button, you can attack them. Mm. I'm like, "Oh, wow!" And there's no hardship. They're barbarians. I can do that. Um, but I did feel bad when I developed my equipment up to a level of almost modern warfare, they were still stood there with, like, axes. <laughs> and I thought, oh, is, are these really reflective? And then I remembered the Scottish. Um, but no, so I, I went through, and because of that conditioning of they're there, you should attack them, uh, somebody I'd made a bit of an alliance with walked past on my cities, and I immediately attacked them, declared war, raised two of their cities to the ground. They kept saying, I'll give you one of my cities, just stop the war. And I was like, no! <laughs> it wasn't so, Gandhi, was it? No, it was um, the Ottoman Empire, the big chubby guy with a beard. Because I've heard Gandhi's a right bastard. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, so I just went, I then became completely uh, kind of obsessed with just taking every piece of land from him (laughs) and destroying everything in my way, which is not how I wanted to play the game. And, you know, I had all these, like the independent cities that don't fight or anything, they just kind of, you gain their favour. They were like, we like you. I was like, yeah, you better. I'll I'll be sending something your way next. But um, yeah, I've not finished that game yet. I've just wiped him out and I'm now trying to find the other person on the map. He's hiding somewhere, but I'll find him. (laughs) You've become a tyrannical monster. I have, but then, you know, that's what some of these games are all about, isn't it? But uh, running around that, I'm also going to hopefully go back to Blood, which was um, the first first person shooter game I played on PC ever and it was a shareware version it was installed on the machine by a, blo- a bloke who came to install the machine said do you want some games on it and my mum went no he doesn't and mum went out of the room and went yeah i do and he gave me <laughs> death rally he gave me 
Duke Nukem. He gave me blood and he gave me doom. All the shit. Yeah. yeah. And blood was obviously, he was like, oh, it's got blood in the name. That's a, it's a fantastic game. If, if you've not played it. I haven't actually. No, have you not? I've, I've not even heard of it. I'm it's afraid. not. It's basically, it's a monolith software. Uh, it runs essentially on, I'm, I'm assuming it runs on the Duke Nukem engine, but it was, it was a guy who, comes back to life you crawl out of your grave you're killing people but it, the wicked sense of humor so one of the weapons is a voodoo doll and you basically look at your enemy just stick a, a, a spike in it and they just burst and uh it was had oh, loads yeah. of, it had movie quotes in there so you had like um it, there was you go in a church and in there's a, a dead space marine and he goes that looks like one no that's doom <laughs> that's doom Nukem. He goes, that's doom space marine. but it's another one where it's, i think it might be um duke Nukem himself in the game and he says something like "Hail to the King." I can't remember, but yeah. So it's loads of references to films and TV at the time, and it was just really, really funny and wacky and violent. I'm uh, I'm looking at pictures on oh, no, Google because I can type quickly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I see what you mean by the voodoo doll and what looks to be like a pitchfork. Yeah, that's the first weapon you get. Is um, you basically just stab them with a pitchfork, <laughs> and then I think the second weapon you get is either, is a shotgun, and then the third is a flare gun. Yeah, that's but, what is um, a flare gun. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, all in all, it was just like, if you could make a game, that there was a multiplayer mode, which I never saw because I just had a shareware, but I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of years ago, and he was really, I mean, he was really into setting up proper networks of PCs at his college when this yeah. came out. And they said there's a um, multiplayer mode. What they used to do is just find a severed head and kick it around. So they ended up nice. playing games, games of football with <laughs> severed head in the world of blood. <laughs> but the fact that you could do it was just even more impressive. So... Yeah, they did a sequel to it, which was um, not quite so good. But the first one just had that... It's got that 90s first-person shooter look to it. Yeah, but it, it, I just wish... I mean, it's, it's, it's one that not many people have heard of. Every time I talk about it, people are like, no, I've not, not heard about it. But as soon as they look at it, they're like, oh, I quite fancy playing it. And again, that was available on good old games, so it's just like a couple of quid. You, you know why, though, don't you? Because of Doom. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, Doom took Doom. over. As it that, did. And, and the same with Duke Nukem as well. You know, they were three I got put on. I only went on because it had the word blood in it and uh, went through and, and loved it. But yeah, it's um, it's just a game I've, I've never completed the last two chapters of because the shareware only had the first two. So I figured, well, I'll go back and actually finish the game properly. I didn't know shareware was at the time. I just thought it was something you shared. Didn't realize that some of it was limited demo style <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, I'm going to go back and actually finish the game, which would be nice. And uh, with good old games have given you the extra. Kind of con. I already said DLC then. It wasn't DLC back then, was it? It was just extra content you could buy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the expansion pack is a proper word, isn't it? We should say the, the, <laughs> the, the, the nightmare corridors or something. Um, so yeah, I've got all that to play through as well. But yeah, just just really funny, clever, violent, shooty game. So it's, it's also good. going to feature part of something I'm going to talk about later as well. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, I did put in the running order Civilization Five because I. I have become more of a, a multiplayer person. I, I like the social aspect. Um, I'm always on TeamSpeak talking to people. Um, it's great to play games together. I've not really played much of a single-player game apart from uh, Antichamber, but even then I've been in bloody TeamSpeak talking to other people who are playing it as well and uh, generally bashing our heads against the wall going, what's going on? Have you found this? Have you found that? No. Oh, my God. What? Why? When? Um, but... I've been. I received an email earlier today off one of the forum members. Um, well, I say from him. Um, a chap called Retro Future put a um, giveaway on the Steam 
uh, giveaway keys for him a bit. He said yeah. there was he had a, uh, a, a the Indie Gala bundle pack to give away. Um, so I messaged him, said I'll have it if no one's got it, and he has. He's uh, given me it, and I've um, installed all the games. So hopefully, I'm uh, I'm going to play him. Um, Trine is one of them. I was going to buy that. Good job I didn't. Uh, Magica, um, I've heard is actually quite funny. Uh, again, that's another one I was going to buy. So yeah, that's fantastic. Um, there's another FPS called Painkiller. Um, you must you must have heard of that. Yes, yes. I've um, I actually bought the that bundle I bought when it came out. Um, oh, oh right, okay. and it was pretty much just for Cities in Motion and Painkiller were the two reasons why <laughs> I went for it. But yeah. Yeah. I've I've never played Painkiller, but I've always been up for a bit of FPS, much like um, I mean I love Borderlands too. Um, despite the slagging off it's had on the forum, I think it's great. <laughs> um, Deponia, um, <clears throat> no idea what that is, but it looks all right. Uh, home and Victoria too. So, mm. thank you, Retro home, Future. Uh, home is very good as well. Home is very good, but Painkiller is um because I've been looking at a lot of first person shoots recently. That's actually done by people that did Bulletstorm. Oh right. Um and and sort of working on the new Gears of War game as well. People can fly. So yeah, it's, you're looking at the heritage of kind of a really great violent Xbox game. But hey, <laughs> hey really listen, good. listen, I loved Bulletstorm and I even completed it on hard. Like that's one of the few games I've actually completed. I think it was the fact you could get combos killing people that, that interested me and um, just maybe... It's a great game that just mm. got dis- dismissed by too many people too quickly. Who just went, oh, it's just trying to be crude. It's not just trying to be crude, it's being crude, but you're playing a good game while it's being crude and there's mm. nothing wrong with that. That's, it's always that balance of, is a game just being offensive to try and then get some publicity? With that game, they didn't need to because they were coming off the back of... You know, they've got raising glowing reports from epic who were basically say oh go and buy this game go buy- yeah we're putting our name to this game go and do it it would have sold regardless and then of course they did the kind of limited edition where you got access to gears of war 3 beta yeah which again sold copies just like crackdown did the same thing yeah the halo beta um but then people were just like oh god oh it's just it's just violent trying to be funny no it was violent and it was funny it was the difference. if you actually give it the chance and the character is is likable after a period of time <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah it's um it's a great game that i think few two people have actually really sat down and enjoyed as much as they should have done yeah, no, I, I fully agree with you. It was something I put in and played to the end. Um, I haven't completed many games. It's a case of I've put a few hours into it and then I just something else comes out. Um, Doos X, Human Revolution. Um, I've played all the Doos X games. That Human Revolution was actually really good. Uh, a lot of people don't seem to like it, but yeah, I've, um, I always give it credit. Mm. I've not got around to playing it. I bought the big limited edition with the figure, with the kind of big colorful figure in it. I never played it. It was just one that came out as with long two, yeah, along with too many other games. And then they made yeah. the cardinal sin of announcing DLC content, <laughs> which was the story bit. And I was like, oh, well, I've now got to wait till that's all out. But now it's all out. I shall go and buy it and then play it as a complete thing again. Because I, I, I don't mind playing it if they don't tell me there's going to be extra content Yeah. while, while I'm buying it. But then when they go, oh, there's, there's extra stuff coming now. I, I, th- I think it's been out long enough for me to give a slight spoiler away. Um there are five different endings in this. Right. I'm not yeah. going to tell you what the ending is, but <clears throat> the thing is, I when I when I play these things, I would assume you've got one ending, then you'd have to play through it all again to get a different ending. Not the case. There's a certain point where you can save, and you can take all five different endings. Right. Which, I don't know if that's wrong, 
or not? Yeah, see, I like to think... I mean, we had this on the main show when Sheepdog was angry. Well, we were both a bit disappointed in Walking Dead because the way the ending works on that. and that mm-hmm. You had so much choice, and then some of the endings were just... You could you always ended up channels over with this one. It just sounds like you've got a lot of choice in how you because I, I mean I've not played it, so I'm talking by what I've read. But it seems to me you can the game you can play it how you want to play it. Yeah. And some of the decisions will affect the game, but essentially the game will still go in the same storyline. Yeah. But just with slight variances. So I don't. I suppose to a point, it that's been the case in a lot of games, particularly on the PC, where you'd save at a certain point and then make the decision. Now the Xbox, when whenever they offer achievements for got the good ending, got the bad ending, yeah, it's always going to drive people to say, well, quick save there. Yes, this or do that. yes, it so, will. Yeah, that's what I used to do all the time. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I mean, if anything, if it means that more people see the different endings rather than just going on YouTube, I can't really criticize it too much because I think as anybody, it makes the game you want that content experienced and enjoyed. It, well, it but, wasn't a criticism. It was just more of a. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a bit of an odd one if you think you know, for a game that should it want to encourage you just to play it through with a different playstyle and with the promise of a different ending, mm. you'd kind of hope it would have a bit more of a cast to its chest moment and say, well, no. If you want to see the different ending, you're going to have to have to go a bit different. I mean, I know there was some game uh, years ago I played. I forget. I can't remember now what it would have been. But if you played it on a certain difficulty level, you got a slightly different ending. And the harder you played, the longer yeah. or rewarding the ending would be. Yeah. And they did a similar thing with uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. If whichever difficulty you played it on, depend you saw your different character pop out at the end as a little cameo, which was just a reflection of what difficulty you're on, which was quite cool because yeah. then people saw a different thing. It didn't change anything, but some people go, "You got scared? You got you got that? Well, I got." Oh, I got that one. Why did I get that? Because mm-hmm. it was just because of difficulty level. Yeah. But people then start saying. Well, that's cool because there's a potential for lots of different things. Cool. Right. <clears throat> Do apologise. Right. Projects. Um, we both have projects, and uh, we just change it up a little bit. I'll go first. Um, Windows 8. Um, I've had this installed for quite a while now. I don't understand what people's problem with it is. Um, have you had the experience? I have. I'm using it right now. Um, now. The only problem with this I can see is that from Windows 95 up to Windows 7, Windows hasn't changed. Uh, Windows 3.1 was certainly different, but, you know, that's we're talking old, old systems here. Um, yeah. But, yeah, 95 to 7. It hasn't really changed much apart from gotten prettier. Now, Windows 8's come along with its Metro interface. It has certainly shook everything up. And um, people have uh, said there's... Uh, problems with games and certain programs or if you try and do certain things um i've not had a problem with it to be perfectly honest um the only the only slight problem i had was um in getting all my steam games back now after a bit of talking with uh, absilus uh we found a folder called windows old and it had all my photos and all my steam games that everything in it and all my itunes stuff and everything so i thought oh great so um but before this, I did. I decided to install everything on Steam again. Now I have a one terabyte hard drive. I had two hundred gig left. <laughs> I'm thinking, what the fuck is going on? I no- I normally have about four to five hundred gig left. So yeah, me and him, we searched out this file. Well, searched out where what the hell was going on, where everything was, and we found this old Windows file, and it was, sorry, it was about two hundred and twenty gigs worth. Like, oh, there it fucking is, right. 
took ages to go fucking through everything, transfer all the photos over my iTunes stuff and all the Steam Steam games, um, like Guild Wars and StarCraft 2 and stuff like that. But that's the only gripe I've had with it. Yeah, I mean, with me, and I don't know whether this was the same, I, ha- I went in for the Windows 8 preview, uh, the oh, consumer right. preview thing. And it was just because I was interested in the Metro interface because as an Xbox gamer, mm-hmm. the, uh, the idea of having a PC that resembled that was quite interesting to me. And so yes. I loaded it up. And then that ran out in, I think, mid-January. And um, it then just came up and said, you can upgrade or completely factory reset your system. But if, yeah. until, mm-hmm. until then, we're going to reset your machine every hour. <laughs> so I thought, well, doing two-hour podcasts, that's not going to work. So I took the plunge. It was just a 25-bit upgrade and uh, went through it. And when I did the upgrade, it said all of your content will be put into a folder called kind of Windows old, which actually, compared to every other version of an upgrade I've ever had to do, mostly I've lost everything or I've had to move it onto a, hard, a separate hard drive or burn them to disks or whatever. This one yeah. just kind of gave gave me a very quick way of Following bringing it over. And, uh, yeah, and then basically having it all there. <laughs> and what it actually meant for me more than anything was I realized quite how much shit I had on my computer I didn't use <laughs> because I installed, I installed stuff I needed and then thought, I've still got like 108 gigs of stuff in there. I'll just delete it. And, uh, and then it just went... And I have not looked back since. So it was yeah, just like, it's great. It was glorious. It is. It's great. Yeah. Where, where did all my shit go? Oh, all the, all the stupid little programs I've had installed, like bloody Fraps and stuff like that that I don't fucking use. Have you ever used Fraps? No. It's, no. it's a, a capturing software for games, um, like no. playing TF2. You run that. But the problem is, um, say you've got two minutes worth of footage, it will take eight gig of space. Christ. That's what we were saying. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, I don't know how people do these games and stuff. I mean, I, I've got my own YouTube channel, and it was literally just a test, like, like two minutes of uh, uh, Team Fortress 2, and it took um, five hours to upload to YouTube. I went, how the fuck do people do this with massive files? I mean, you've, you've got people with, like, stupid 10-hour loops of fucking music and uh, like the gnawing cat and all sorts of bollocks like that. I'm thinking, how the fuck do they put up with this sort of thing? But, you know, people do it, don't they? Yeah, weirdly. Weirdly. But, uh, but yes, as, as, and a lot of, of it with mine was because I use um, Skype audio recorder as backups. And stuff, so I had, yeah. didn't, didn't realise I'd, I'd not been deleting them. Uh, so I, had, I think I had like a 20 gig file just of old conversations, which I was tempted to go back to and just make a year's worth of podcast and then just go on holiday. You should. Uh, just, <laughs> just go, there you go. Oh, look, I'm still here. Just, I'm just talking about stuff that happened last year because I'm all retro. Yeah. But um, but yeah, just a lot of it was by having it all in one folder, it gives you a real idea of all the non-essential files yeah. that are there and just sort of going, yeah, we're, we're right. Your PC doesn't want to work anymore. We're just sitting in here stealing all your stuff. <laughs> We don't need all this space. Um, it came to my attention uh, a little while ago via Reddit, because I love Reddit. Um, there was a new jailbreak out for the iPhone, um, for the uh, iOS 6. Uh, it's called Evasion. Now, I previously have jailbroken pretty much all my iPhones and everything else I could get my greedy little mitts on. Um, with previous versions, it's you've had to enter your phone into uh, DFU mode, Um if you don't know what that is, you basically turn your phone, you have it connected to power, you turn it off, you turn it on holding the power button, then you have your finger on the home button for 10 seconds, then take your finger off the power button, and then take your finger off the home button. 
Um, and then it sort of glitches. Well, I say glitches. It doesn't. It enters a, a sort of internal mode, and it sort of uh, loads it that way through different bits and pieces. Um, with this one, it's even easier. You just plug it in, you press a button, and it does it. Simple. <laughs> Honestly, simple. Um, there's a chap called Jay Freeman who runs the Cydia App Store. He's an absolute fucking legend. Um, he <clears throat> he certainly strives to keep people happy, and um, yeah, he's, he's a good lad. But <clears throat> I don't know where my cough's coming from today. I mean, do you do you own an iPhone, Bouncy? Uh, well, I don't own a mobile phone at all. I've I put a knife through mine about three years ago and never looked back. And uh, so I I now have to borrow my my oldest son's if I go out anywhere and need to be able to contact <laughs> home. But to be honest, it was just I was getting fed up of people being able to contact me when I didn't want contacting. Uh, I, so I've got an iPad uh, and I've got an iPod Touch. Yes. And it just so I got all the benefit without the constant connection to people I don't really like. You see, the the the, the, the few things that I, I really like about the jailbreak is uh, there's a little app called Flux. Um, it's basically you can control the gamma settings. Okay. Um, it went through about how bad um, blue light is for your sleeping and your REM sleep and stuff like that. And with this, you can just tweak it ever so slightly, and the screen looks perfect. I mean, I, I, it changes because of the light sensor on it. It changes with the time of day. The darker it gets, the darker the screen gets. So it sort of self-regulates. Um, one of the other things I like is a little app called Infinite Folders. Now, you know you can only keep 12 things in a folder. Yes, yeah. Uh, well, I've got 30 games in one folder. I've got 12 apps in another. And I've got 15 music apps in another. Um, I don't know why these things aren't standard on the App Store. Why wouldn't you want to be able to put everything into a folder so you have it all nice and tidy and organized if you wanted to? Um, another One of the other things... I like about it is it gets you've got a little um, package that gets rid of the uh, newsstand because you can't put it into a fucking folder. No, no. it's just sitting there, looking at you, mocking you, going, "You can't get rid of me." And I did. <laughs> That's basically it. Um, there's another little tweak um, that changes your uh, provider. Uh, mine's uh, O2UK, but now I've actually changed it to a Windows icon, which I think's funny, but. Yeah, um, I can I can fully recommend people jailbreak their iPhones. It's not illegal. It's been ruled not illegal by uh, the, the court, courts in America. The only problem the only problems will arise if you try and get out of your provider. So as long as you're still with Orange or O2 or whoever, you know you're fine. And you can also you can never brick an iPhone jailbreaking it. You just have to keep a backup on iTunes. And if it goes horribly wrong, you stick it in the DFU mode and you back up via that way and it wipes everything and reloads from the last save. It's that simple. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to promote it or anything. I, just, I think it's great. It, it gives you loads of options that, you know, that really should be there. Yeah, I think, I think you know, for me, I've always just been of the, the belief that I went for a period for about 10 years where I would, I would, get anything for free if i could pirate it i'd pirate it mm-hmm. and then i kind of hit a moment i thought actually if i can afford to support like particularly with the rise of indie games if i can support them rather than just downloading it if it's costing me two quid and that's why the, the indie bundles are great because you know if you can make you can sell a million copies of the game making 10p a time it's still better than the 10 copies of the game you sold at 20 quid yeah and um yeah with this sort of thing it was like if it's if you're using it 
and then you're you're getting a better user experience out of a piece of expensive kit. I mean, let's be honest. You know, Apple products aren't cheap. They're not. No, they're not. And to then have more flexibility is always something that you know. Of course, you're going to want, and of course, you kind of recommend. So, <laughs> I think the only comparable. I mean, I've never done it, but the only comparable thing was the the jailbreak that we had for our vending machine, the Coke vending machine, when I was at college, <laughs> where uh, we basically we talked to an engineer who was on his last day at the job. Yeah. And he, t- he told us how to get into the override modes. And so we just emptied that machine. Last ever of term, every year, we'd empty, <laughs> we'd empty the machine into our backpacks and just leg it out the door. But they were great. And there was like, you can, there's over, I have no overrides for lifts, so I can make it go non stop from the bottom to the top, no matter yes, how you, many you hold, buttons. Yes, yeah, you hold the and, bottom key and the key. Yeah, I know yeah. that one, yeah. And, uh, and so I went for a whole period of time where I learned everything. So I can, I can now reprogram people's Sky remote controls and. I could uh, reset people's modems wirelessly. And, and there's all these bits I thought, I've not really got a use for it, but it's interesting to know that they exist. And Knowledge. You know, Knowledge. Yeah, it's just, it's just nice to know. I, I, like, I like the fact that there was a setting on, there was a, a vending machine uh, at my college that was just like chocolate bars and things. Yeah. And there was a, a version on there where it, it wouldn't give you free chocolate, but what you could do is rearrange the, the layout. So if you typed right. A6, you'd get like D2. <laughs> and I said to the bloke who told me, I go, why does that even exist? And he said, sometimes uh, one of the, the the rails will break. So you need to be able to redirect the, the kind of the, the signal. I was like, yeah, I can understand that. But that's just nuts. Surely somebody's <laughs> going to abuse that. And he goes, it's never happened. Well, of course, the next day, my mates reprogrammed the entire thing. So it just went in the complete opposite order. So you start at the end instead of the beginning. So if people figured it out, unless if you ordered the exact center item, you're okay. Everybody else had to work out the pattern before they could get what they wanted. But um, yeah, it's just a really weird thing that the machine ever had it in the first place, let alone the fact that it was possible. So yeah, it's uh, it's it's always good to have these little exploits and things available. If, if, if you don't want to use them, fine. But I can't really criticize anybody for doing so. No, it's, it's the, the pursuit of knowledge and basically being in control of anything and everything you had but i'm like that because i'm an engineer by trade anyway so <clears throat> there you go uh bouncy if yes. you would yeah yeah what uh we I, i'd like to talk to you about your dirty dozen project if that's okay yes well this is uh i think i've, I've touched on it briefly on the main show but obviously i'm aware that some more discerning listeners who may not want to listen to the the, the shambolic procedures that Kevin and Steve put through on their I, show. I, I have been informed that <laughs> there are people who just listen to us. Yeah, so, which is obviously, they're gonna, I mean, it's, it's also a, a focal point as well. You know, if you're a, more of a PC gamer, you're only going to listen to, if you're going to listen to one or the other, you're going to go for the one with the PC name. And that. So, so for all you people, um, basically I'm doing this series of articles that's going up on the main blog for mature gay website but also it's just a bit of a, a pursuit of knowledge and understanding where i'm playing 12 well playing sort of 12 i'm writing 12 articles playing more than 12 games mm-hmm. but they're they're games it with the overall project's pr- kind of point is are games universally defensible so when there's kind of there's a high school shooting and all the gamers go it's nothing to do with games you can't blame games we all play games so we're fine but then you've got all the politicians say well shouldn't we do some surveys and look into it and they're like oh they've already been done leave the games alone but of course that's not always the case there is that middle area where some things are obviously influencing people it's not necessarily conditioning them into a certain way but you know, is it always going to be the case where we can always 
right-mindedly just turn around and say, oh, it's a load of rubbish. So like when you've got the guy who went into the premiere of Dark Knight Rises, pretty much dressed as Bane, mm-hmm. dyed his hair like Joker, had his entire bedroom kitted out with Batman stuff, was carrier weapons for the film, wanted to create anarchy just like the Joker did in Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. How can you say that the film didn't influence him? It, you know, it did. <laughs> millions of people watch that film absolutely fine. But for him, that was something that was a point of influence. But it also goes to like people that after The Matrix came out, how many people bought long black coats? It Probably wasn't quite a lot. <laughs> you know, it's not because necessarily um, it's a bad influence, but the point is they're always there. So trends and, and things and behavior and uh, yeah. discussions like Dole got into the dictionary because Homer Simpson said it. You know, there, there are all yeah. these things that get into society, but some, not all of them are nefarious and, and kind of dangerous. But that's because they're generally coming from innocuous sources. So this project is looking at the games that are so indefensible in, in their, their existence in the first place has to be questioned. So yes. I thought I'd start off with the worst <laughs> I can oh, think of. Yes, yeah, I've um, read it. And yes, I, I, I didn't even believe this game existed. But then it's not exactly a mainstream title, is it? It's not, but that's that's the thing. It's like that was what I wrestled with. But well, I'll basically for the people who aren't yes on, and obviously I haven't read the article. Um, a few years ago, I watched the Louis Theroux documentary where he went to see white extremists in America. Mm-hmm. While talking to the children, one of the kids said, "Oh, I played this game. It's called uh, Ethnic Cleansing. You have to kill black people." And that was it. Was on the screen for about five seconds. But as a gamer. It stood out to me that that even existed, and for years it played on my mind. And people would talk about gaming, and it would always be there. And I think, oh, I really should find out more about the game or try and see if I can track that game down, just out of curiosity. And so when I thought about the idea of writing this article, I thought, well, actually, now's the time <laughs> to kind of face up to the fact that this exists. And so I spoke to a friend of mine that did a university um, course and wrote his final kind of dissertation. It was all about white supremacy so he got a copy of the game bought it from the the makers resistance records which i'm not promoting don't go look at this site he bought um, it. he bought it because he, he was trying to get all the kind of the different paraphernalia and ah, uh, he couldn't have pirated it he could have done but i think at, at that point he, he had a he had a funding grant so Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it probably had to kind of justify why why he'd asked for the money to do the project um so yeah he'd bought i mean it costs about i think it's about 10 pounds to buy um, but don't buy it no. and uh yeah so i said to him oh can i borrow it and he sent it over and it came in a little package and when it arrived i looked at it and it was almost like the only thing i compare it to i don't know if i said this on the show but it Reminded me of a letter I got from my granddad after he died that had got delayed in the mail. It was like one of those things you don't know what's in it, but do mm. you want to read it? What effects that going to have? This was the same sort of thing. It was like it was a Schrodinger's cat of gaming. It was like, <laughs> if, I, if I don't open it, can I admit defeat and just say that I don't want to see it? I didn't want to touch it. I didn't want to play it. I didn't want to even have it on my machine because... Yeah, you know, I've I've worked in schools. I don't want one day just a random check. And they no. go, Why have you been playing this game? What's it all about? But of course, you know, consummate professional, so put it in. As it started installing, it had that old proper kind of old retro windows little grey box with the install nice. icon and I was like, Oh god, so clicking through. It slowly cranked through and my stomach was phys- I mean, I'm not overreacting, it was physically churning. Really? Um just by looking at it. It was it was just horrible. It was the same sort of feeling you get when you kind of you see something like on comic relief night and they show you atrocities in Africa. And you look ah. at it, you just you you feel that kind of oh I, 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 you, a bit of guilt. 
yeah. and a little bit of kind of confusion and not wanting to look at it, that's what I got. And it was just from a game's loading screen. <laughs> really? And then the game starts up and the music cranks up and it's based on all, you know, white power, white revolution is the only way for our kind of race. And mm. it's just hitting you so much with, you know, the black people are evil, black people are evil, Jewish people are evil, Jewish people are evil, Hispanics, go after them, go after them, kill them, kill them, kill them all, kill them all. It's the only thing you can do. Wow. Now, <laughs> if I was susceptible, it wouldn't take much of that game to kind of start laying a seed in my head to be able to be manipulated into thinking something. So, you know, from that point of view, straight away, I start. I didn't want to use it. I didn't want to play it because I know the core concept of that game is to kill minority groups. Indoctrination, that's what it is. Yeah, so straight away, I was going to be pulling the trigger in a game in which I didn't want to be playing in the first place. So the first thing, I just went through it and I didn't pull the trigger at all. I just walked through the level because I thought if I could just look at it, that might be enough to mm. say I've played it. Um, and the first thing that strikes you is, apart from the fact that the game's terrible, uh, <laughs> is the fact that all of the black people are just kind of, the only audio is just grunts, like gorilla sounding grunts. Right. And uh, I then got, I found some Hispanics. Which, of course, as Hispanic, they were all wearing ponchos and sombreros. And just it was just vile. But what it came across as, this is what a 12-year-old would have done in school. Written on their book, you know, oh, black people, oh, fucking monkey. Oh. It, just, it came across as childish and infantile and puerile. Yeah. They had movie posters where they'd taken black, black actors out of it and put a monkey in and... They had like what missing posters like a, a particularly blonde-looking child saying "wanted loss of innocence, a uh, lot of lost innocence of childhood," and everywhere you look, it was just horrible images and horrible sounds, just pushing you down this route of you need to kill these people to save yourself. So then I got killed, and then I got killed again, and it went on for about kind of three attempts before I decided to pull the trigger and see what happened. Yeah, and uh, it doesn't give you ammo. You just you unlimited ammunition, so you just literally go on a rampage, and uh, it's not particularly nice. Did they? Was, did they not fight back? They fought back, yeah, but just it was yeah. No, no, no. Just from, from you saying that you were wandering around to try and see as much as you could without killing anything, then you were just wandering around, and they were just standing there like. I don't know no, no, they were shooting at me, but you get quite a good amount of health because it, <laughs> it doesn't want you to fail, does it, really? No, no. Because if you're making a game as a white supremacist, you don't really want that white character to be able to die too easily. So um, <laughs> I was kind of just jumping about and kind of running around, avoiding people. But yeah. then I've sort of played the game as the game should be played. I played it for one go, killed about seven people, got killed, turned the game off, turned the machine off. And went and just spent some time with my kids because it left me feeling incredibly hollow and, and, and disgusted with the fact that another human being could think that that was a good idea for a game. And that's the problem I had with it more than anything is it, I have to acknowledge as a, a kind of proponent of free speech, some people aren't going to have opinions that I agree with. That's that's a, a given in life. Uh, that That's not free speech, though, is it? That's just hate crimes. There's, 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 I know. There's but at the same time, people are going to have opinions <clears throat> that I don't agree with. And, you know, it's it's the same with everything. Uh, but I don't support hate crimes, but I, sometimes you have to just understand that some people just have it very wrong. <laughs> and for them, it's the norm. Yeah. You, there's not much you can do to change that. You, yeah, you can, you can condemn it, you can ignore it, but ultimately there's always going to be difference of opinion and difference of ideology. So I kind of go looking at the game, though. 
what it was trying to do was present that in the form of a game as well. And of course, that's then aimed squarely at children and teenagers. That's the problem, as, though, isn't it? It's because yeah. it's aimed at children. That's that's the that's the bit that makes it fucking sick. And what makes me crosser right. is that in Congress they will sit and argue about the validity of games like Grand Theft Auto or Halo. But then there can be games like this that because they're not commercially available, yeah, they're ignored. And you think, actually, that's more damaging. It <laughs> is. It is, yeah. I mean, you know, and talk about indie games. There are some indie games that go to very dark places, but with an artistic point. So you kind of think, well, actually, I, I can see it's, it's grim, but I can see the, the point of what they're trying to say with this. Whereas with this, the only point of this is hate. Yes. There's, no, there's no redeemable quality whatsoever. And I went back to it twice more in separate sessions. And it, every time I had to go off. I mean, I didn't watch The Wizards of Oz, but I had to go off and try and do something a bit more cheerful just to reaffirm myself. I'm not a bad person. I'm just <laughs> trying to find out something about a game that I'd already dismissed without actually playing. Because I figured, you know, yeah. I'm essentially as guilty as anybody else for <laughs> sort of saying, well, no, it's obviously terrible. It's obviously the worst thing in the world. Of course it is. But without actually playing it, I couldn't really dismiss it other than on the grounds that I didn't like the idea of it. Um, but yeah, once I, once I finished it and actually played through and killed Ariel Sharon. Oh, spoilers. There you go. Dad. Oh, um, <laughs> ruined it now. Yeah, ruined it. Well, they ruined it when they made it, to be fair. <laughs> um, it was, I mean, the whole game was... It seems bad using the word game. As a gamer, it, 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 the whole game sickened me to the core. And I couldn't, I couldn't wait to delete it off my hard drive. Um, it was just repugnant, morally repugnant. And for everybody that was involved, I mean, hopefully somebody involved in it will read my article and just along with all the other ones that have condemned it over the years, just perhaps yeah. start to feel a pang of guilt at some point. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of my first one. And that then became an article. And a lot of people have kind of got back to me and said they're glad that they didn't have to play it. Yeah. But they're glad that they're aware of it because it's... Yeah, you know, it does. It does show a different side of gaming that sometimes we don't want to admit it exists. And uh, so, in the future, I've got. I'm looking at very violent first-person shooters of the '90s. Mm-hmm. So, Blood will be in there. Duke Nukem will be in there. Because again, they were throwing content out that wasn't necessarily artistically integrity, but it was. It was. Mm-hmm. It was fun to a certain audience, and therefore would generate interest in sales and promotion. See, so, the, sorry, go on. No, yeah, yeah, go, go on. I was going to say, the thing about Duke Nukem is more tits than violence. That's yeah. why the boys were playing it. You had Doom and, you know, exactly. games but like then, that. But, you know, that's the point, is that with that sort of content, is it at any point really defensible? But then you say, well, it's real life. That happens in real life. So that's kind of the point we're going we're to be looking at. So there's, with that, because I couldn't really pick out Duke Nukem or Blood, because they're all reasonably good games that I've enjoyed and I don't think should be demonised. But actually, there's a whole collection of what were they doing to try and better the rest? Because like we're saying, Doom obviously took over the world. Yes. How, how do you step out of Doom and Shadow? Will you do something that's going to generate hype? And this is obviously days before the internet, so you had to do something yeah. stark. So Duke Nukem did what Duke Nukem did. Blood did what Blood did. Um, and then obviously Quake realised that actually the best way to do it was just be a better game yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely so um so yeah so that'll be cut out make up one of them the next one i'm looking at is manhunt 2 <sighs> for the wii um uh, the manhunt games on the wii yeah manhunt 2 on the wii uh that's that's the point of this one was instead of 
playing on a controller, suddenly you were integrating motion into really? executions. And uh, I think that's when it, it crossed the line for me. It, it, yes, it has done. But with um, See, I got Manhunt when it came out, and I was a little shocked at it. I can't remember the year it came out, so I can't remember how old I was. Um, but yeah, you just you got slung into a, 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 a an arena like a TV show. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. And you had to go around killing people, and I always went around killing people with carrier bags. Yeah, thinking I mean, the first this... one was I think it was about two thousand four. I think I just yeah. finished my second bout at college at that point. And the thing is, in as a game, it put you into a violent situation. Mm-hmm. Yep, where everybody out. it was kill or be killed. Uh, which a lot of games do. And the difference with Manhunt 1 was that the method of execution was more primal and yes. more, more visceral. But cinema have been doing far more violent things for years. Oh, God, yeah. So there's nothing in there that's, I mean, for me, didn't have an issue because it was a game and, and you can, it was grim, but it was Rockstar tackling something that was a bit, you know, darker, which is something that should be applauded. Uh, I would say it's no more kind of disturbing than the opening bits of Max Payne when you go to your family home. Yeah, that was um, that was a bit but again <laughs> as part of a narrative. As I mean, for me, the first I played that was just after having my first child, so straight away it hit me right where it needed to hit me to really bring me into that game. But yeah. they're in a, it's an eighteen rated game made for a mature audience, and you have to sometimes say let's have the audience make up its mind what's acceptable and what's not. And if it's in a film, surely it'd be fine. With Manhunt Two. It wasn't part of that arena. This is when you were breaking out of a hospital. and I never played that. The, the first one bored me. I actually yeah. got rid of it. I thought, well, it's incredibly violent. Yeah, violence has got its place. Yeah, oh, well, mm, that's it. Right, get rid of yeah. it. That's literally it. But yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, so the second one kind of didn't even have that you're a survival thing. It was from the, from the off, you weren't quite sure what you, why you were doing it. But it was asking you to do very violent things. Which, again, you know, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have violence against, but when you port that to the Wii, which is traditionally a family console, <laughs> that's the first yeah. kind of sign that makes me go, what were you thinking with that one? What? what? I mean, even when uh, Chinatown Wars came to DS, it was the isometric, kind of more of an old-style GTA. It wasn't really kind of violent and over the top. It was almost cartoonish GTA, but on, on a handheld platform. It didn't sell very well on DS at all. Um, it did not. But uh, no, I actually got. It's a bit of an aside, but it's quite interesting. I got into an argument with Nintendo's or Nintendo of Europe's um, legal team. Yeah. Where they, I was researching an article about video game piracy, and I contacted a few different people that said, "Yeah, would you be interested?" And this legal team got back and said, "We will talk. One of us will talk to you, but we would need like the rights to say see what you're going to write before you publish it." So I was like, "That's fine, fair enough." I said, okay, can you defend your stance on piracy? What, what does piracy do to Nintendo? And they first came out, they said, GTA, uh, Chinatown Wars, didn't sell very well at all. Here are the figures of what piracy is. And it was something like 17 million copies were downloaded illegally. Really? Compared to, in the UK, something like 27,000 sales. So like, it decimated it. And I went, okay, fair enough. So they went off, Honza here, same while in chat, Went to the same piracy website, bought up new Super Mario Brothers DS. Yeah. It had more downloads, but was one of the biggest selling games on the system and on any console at the time anyway. So then sent that back and said, now can you, ha- can you explain what happened there? And she went, well, it's yeah. not comparable. And I go, but it is comparable. What, you're, what I'm saying is that mature game wasn't the game the core audience of that machine wanted. And she was like, no, because 
a lot of people downloaded it but didn't buy it. I go, but a lot of people bought Mario and did buy it <laughs> because you sold this many copies of it. And so it was a, a, a kind of a backwards and forwards argument where she just wouldn't, because obviously she couldn't, because she's part of the legal team. She can't turn around and go, actually, yeah. you're right. But at one point, he just said, she said, I don't think there's any point in this uh, carrying this on because it's very clear you've come to a conclusion. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I know I have. I'm right. Um, but yeah, so yeah, with, with the Wii version of Manhunt 2, it was kind of, I think they they censored the executions. That was the first thing they had to do to get a rating in the UK. But it doesn't wow. matter if you're censoring the executions, if you're still doing the gestures. Yes. And, you know, for it's enough, I think, when you're doing a fighting game with Connect or Move or the, the Wii, that you kind of, you start, you're becoming a bit more aggressive and you're getting a bit more into it. But then when you start integrating actual murder and execution style murder, yeah. and you're physically doing it, compared to just pushing a button that worried me as to how that how affecting that could be on your mind so i've been playing that on the wii and uh it's uh it's pretty much confirming most of my fears as we go on uh, but, is, um, is it making you a little twisted well no more than usual <laughs> but it's definitely one that i think you know is, is harder to defend than when it's just on a normal console which is not necessarily a good thing um but you know it's, it's just it's interesting some of the decisions made to try and get mature games on the Wii because Mad World for the Wii um, mm. was, was fun. I, I adored that. I adored it from a visual perspective, and I adored the fact they put out a, quite a violent game on the Wii. But it was very clear from the start that this is going to be a niche thing. We know this isn't going to go out to everybody. We've done it in start black and white cartoony style yeah. to try and limit it further. Whereas with Manhunt, of course, it's coming off Rockstar's name. And a lot of people, a lot of kids would say, oh, it's the game from people that did GTA and you get to murder people. Right. And that, you know, just as when I was younger, Mortal Kombat came out. And the only reason I wanted Mortal Kombat was because I could punch a bloke's head off. Yeah. Um, There's the same thing. So it's that badgering of parents, the sort of parents that don't then check the content and just give to the game. And then that does happen a lot, though, still, doesn't it? It does. I mean, obviously, I'm, I work for yes. at the moment for the blockbuster chain. And a lot of the time when adults bring up games, we had when L.A. Noir came out, a lot of kids giving that to their parents to give to them. And I just basically went to the parents and said, look, I'm not going to be funny about this. Do you know what this game's about? Oh, well, no. And I said, okay, that's fine. That's fine. I said, this is not like Grand Theft Auto. Uh, and this is actual kind of homicide investigation. I said, the earlier scenes are sexually assaulted and murdered women. Is that really what you want your child playing? Oh, which way wants? Just give us a disc. We didn't want a lecture. And that's straight away. You think, really? well, if I was working in a pub and a bloke and his kid came in, the kid said, can you buy me a bottle of whiskey? And the bloke said, can I have a bottle of whiskey? I would be legally obligated to not give him the bottle of whiskey. Exactly. It would be an offence because I believe it's being provided. But when it's a parent, I, I surely legally i should be under the same pressure but no no that's not the case, well, but there's, <laughs> the oh, case. yeah if i think if i think there's some kids outside i think somebody's coming for them but as the, as an adult who's got an account who is a parent uh ultimately is, if i know i've tried to make the point they're gonna buy it anyway and yeah. it just makes me it made me a little bit sad <laughs> it does no it does don't, don't go through so again that's something i'm going to touch on in one of the articles later on is that you know no matter whatever this content is it doesn't matter if we don't, as parents um, and as role models and as kind of gamers, if we don't kind of watch out for what our kids are playing, it doesn't matter because these things exist. Yes. And whether they should or shouldn't is, is irrespective because they do. And the only filter 
that we can rely on. Take out the rating system. Take out yeah. web search filters. The only real filter is us. We are the last barrier between any content and our, ki- our kids. Um, so very, yeah, very much so. You know, and that's what's going to be kind of part of the summing up is, you know, okay, we've now assessed that <laughs> there are these horrible things out there, but is it, you know, what can we do and, and stuff like that? So yeah, I'm looking forward to, I'm going to say looking forward to, it's the wrong way to say it really, but I look forward to experiencing some more horrible things. We've got rate play is on the list. Yes, I um, I remember uh, Dalek talking about that on one of your early shows, I believe. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, he'll, he likes to pull stuff like that out of the bag. <laughs> uh, but I'll be looking at it far more objectively. And uh, so we've got that. We've got Manhunt. We've got first-person shooters. We've got Carmageddon is going in there. Is it? Uh, the, well, the reason for that one is is less of a, oh, look how horrific it was. But actually, when it got ported to iOS, it had a 12 rating, which I just thought was hilarious, considering <laughs> it was an 18. And it was banned originally. There was an 18 even with edits and then uh wow. now, now it's only a 12 which is just goes to show it's part of a look at what content rating actually counts because in that game you're you're essentially destroying things and running people over mm. but the focus of the game isn't necessarily running people over no so you could say it's so stylized it's so kind of cartoony it doesn't matter yeah. whereas another game which is a more kind of psychological horror that would be an 18 because it's more affecting in the bad way. Obviously, times change, and what you can put in a film, what you put in a game, shifts as well. So that will be part of a look at kind of how our attitudes change, and what is it, what makes an unacceptable game for us. So yeah, there's a lot of content there. Not all of it's laid down exactly how it's going to be yet, because I keep discovering new things. People keep emailing <laughs> horrible, horrible games that they've played, yeah. <laughs> or they've just heard of. I go, oh, I've heard of this. Can you play it and tell me what it's like? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> anybody checks what my kind of, my current like Twitter recommendations for games? It's it's awful. But I think I've always been a proponent of. It's very, very important to to try and educate yourself. And and with gaming, the only real way to educate yourself is to sometimes play the games. So it is. Um, yeah, it's meaning I'm going to go down some dark paths, but at the end of it, hopefully I'll be slightly richer knowledge-wise, slightly more disturbed psychologically, and uh, more morally corrupt. So that, I can Fantastic. afford that at least. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks for talking to us about that, Bass. So we'll hopefully, you know, a lot more people will now be looking out for them, which is yeah, good. Hope, yeah, it'll be good. Uh, on to books, music, TV, film, anything else you want to mention. Now, Again, I'd probably go to Clarky if he decided to turn up, but he hasn't. So, um, I think I'll go first this time because you've been chatting away about your uh, Dirty Dozen project. Um, I, after me asking you on Twitter if Looper was any good, and you basically said, "Yeah, it was all right." I went and watched it. Um, I did like it. Um, for a time travel movie, it wasn't too bad. There wasn't too many holes to pick at. Um, there was one or two things that annoyed me um one of the bruce willis killing a child that's the only thing that really got to me i mean i've seen some pretty horrific things film wise and through games and stuff but killing of a child is always something that will will get you um Mm. but other than that it was um it was a it was a good good film i mean particularly the bit where um 
I don't think this is much of a spoiler, um, where they one of the blokes who, who got away and they started uh, inscribing stuff on his arm. Yeah, it's to, a great sequence. An absolute it is. Brilliant sequence. And it's, yeah. it's one you can't really describe without when you see it. It's because it's so subtle to start with. Yeah. And you think, hang on, didn't he have five fingers of an echo? It's just like... Well, that's his nose. Really, yeah, it's a really creepy sequence. But actually, yes. in all, because I'm a huge fan of time travel films, and so for all the time travel films I've ever seen, I mean, the, the only comparable really is Martin McFly slowly fading out of existence at the enchantment of the sea dogs. <laughs> it's essentially yeah. the same principle. It, something's changed in the past that's affecting his present. I just wish, in a way, that while he was playing a guitar, Martin McFly's leg had dropped off or something. That would have been hilarious. Well, not hilarious, <laughs> but you know, in its own way. But yeah, that was that whole sequence in that film was the one bit that because the, the biggest issue I had with Looper was mm-hmm. the the prosthetic makeup they gave to Joseph Gordon-Levitt to make him look like Bruce Willis because it, I did. Yeah, yes, yes, he did look it, very it, odd. Yeah, it threw me out because I know him so well from other films that I love him in. And so his voice was there, but his face didn't look right. And I kept thinking, and my mind was was going a bit OCD. It was like, no, what, what's what's going on? <laughs> Why are you looking yeah. at a bloke who's, who's so obviously not with his massive eyebrows and his weird nose? He um he looked a bit CGI to begin yeah. with when you first laid your eyes on him, and then you went, no, 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 he's not. Sorry. <laughs> no, you, then... you get used to it after a while, but it's yeah. just that initial thing of that's if I mean if you didn't ever know what the actor looked like, you could sort of just think, oh, that's. That's just what it looks like. But if you do, mm. at any point, it immediately brings in. But it was a great kind of physical look for the transition between the two actors. I thought it was nice that they went to the effort yes. to make a physicality rather than just say, oh, look, we've got this really good actor to play this actor's kind of yeah. young self. They did put a bit of effort in. But yeah, I mean, I can't. There's a lot of stuff I'd never seen in a time travel film before done in that film. So. Yeah, the, the, the sequence of imaging was very good. And you did, you know, you saw the the crossover bit, and the um, I, I don't want to give too much away, but the, the time travel machine itself actually looked feasible instead of yeah a big yeah. bag of bollocks, you know, like some sort of dozy engineer put it together and it's badly maintained and and it didn't look too sci-fi either. No, it didn't. No, it just looked like a machine. That was that was the kind of the genius of it. Whereas, you know, normally that would have been great big flashy lights and long corridors of cabling and All it was shit. just it was just there and it, it was just kind of existing but by setting the, the present or essentially the present or the past in the future anyway yeah and then having the, the future in the future future it then allows them to do to make it even more interesting because you're seeing futuristic elements in something that's supposed to be the past so yeah that's that's the bit that sort of throws you a touch thinking well what, what happened here and there and oh shit what so yeah but um the bit where he kills the child that always the future and everything because then he ends up having a kid himself which doesn't really play much into the film it just i suspect it just shows you how small actions change what he does in the future yeah um yeah it was it was a good film um if i really wish i could remember what one bit really got me um really annoyed me and i'll tell you after the recording but i can't remember so there you go. Never mind. Um, with regards to uh, TV and stuff, as I've mentioned, I've only got um, iPlayer and Netflix. But iPlayer, um, I've got Charlie Brooker Weekly Wipe to watch. Now, I love Charlie Brooker. His history, he used to review games. I think I don't think it was for Games Master, but he did for PC Gamer. He he used to review them, a very, very old review, and then he went on to TV and stuff, and then he's done Black Mirror and stuff like that. 
but his weekly white program is probably the only decent thing worth watching out there at the minute. Um, he tells you how it is. I mean, take last week's one. Um, it was going on about how the news like to give you a, a very negative view and how they like to portray certain things happening. Um, so he was going, oh, with the recession, we're in like a triple dip recession. And he went, oh, how bad is it for you? And then people go, no, so oh, it's the best month on month I've had. And he goes, yeah, but what about you? No, 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 I've had a good time as well. And he goes, oh, for, goes, no, for fuck's sake, someone give us some negativity and no one, no one could do it. Um, I think he talks a lot of sense as well. Um, there's not really much more I can say about him. If, if you know who Charlie Brooker is, then you know you, you know who he is. But if you don't, and you've got a BBC player or a, any of the BBC channels, go and check him out. The man talks a lot of fucking sense. Yeah, it's um. Well, it was uh, PCs only worked for. That was it. On. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he um. It, I remember specifically. It, I think it's about ninety-seven, ninety-eight. He had a, he did a cartoon <laughs> in PCs. Did he? Had the the magazine um pulled from shelves because of uh, criticism from parents. He, he basically did a really? comic strip called Cyber Twats in it, and uh, in one of them, or in a, in a cartoon he did, it was something called. It was it was a German name. It was we'll say Herman Goering. It's not Herman Goering. We'll say Herman Goering's Cruelty Zoo, right. and it was basically like a theme park where you could go out and attack animals. And uh, the the joke was it was a, a rip off of Tomb Raider, where obviously you're very violent against yeah. <laughs> random things. But of course, people didn't see that. And uh, I think the story was originally it was going to be called Lara Croft's Cruelty Zoo, but they mm-hmm. were threatened or, or they were worried about getting sued, so they changed it to a random name. But then the point of the joke got lost, yeah. and then it got pulled from shelves. So I, that was the first time I really kind of knew of him as a, a proper kind of creative source. I know I'd read the magazine for a while. It never really kind of stood out. And then he wrote for The Guardian, who was Screenburn stuff. But yeah, he's um, he's a very, very clever fella. And uh, like you said, he, he talks a lot of sense. And ordinarily, he's the sort of person, he, he's not the traditional looking presenter. He's not the sort of person who would normally have ever even got a job. No. But I think the fact that we're now living in an age where we actually, we expect our presenters to be the sort of people we actually want to watch rather than the sort of people we, we were told we should be watching. So there's no more Queen's English broadcasting anymore. No, it's all, isn't. You know, you've now got this more honest and, and slightly sarcastic kind of tone to some people. That, that oh, just I'm looking for it. it. And, you know, if, for him, uh, almost everything he's done in the wipe, so like the games wipe he did and news wipe and like year wipe and everything yeah, else. What, review of the year, yeah. That, that yeah, fantastic. Every, everything he's done just works because he never puts himself forward as i'm cleverer than you or i'm better than you he's just a bloke on a sofa which is how the stage yeah i love it and it comes across brilliantly well and it's written like he writes and so he talks like he writes but he talks like how people talk when they're talking about stuff and when they in the new series where they do their movie reviews yes just fantastically put together i mean that's how i wanted film 2013 to be i just if they could sack claudia winkleman <laughs> preferably when i say sack what i mean is bundle into a rocket and fire into the heart of the sun um because for all of her efforts and she's a funny lady mm. she didn't really bring much to that show all she's really there is she's the she's the, the, the girl who talks to the nerd get rid of both of them fire them independently in different rockets towards the sun so they couldn't even empathize to each other about their plight. <laughs> And then just give Charlie Brooker the job and get him to randomly bring people on it. It would be brilliant. He, but, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a very, very cynical man. And um, 
there's certainly not enough of that on TV. What with um, some of the shit he talks about on there, I'm quite glad I don't watch normal TV. To be perfectly honest, it's um, the, the the best story that goes of any of his recent content. You know when they do um, a big on like flashing on a screen. I think it's called now, but it's something like bullshit advert of the week or something. It's I like, know, yeah, I know what you want. Um, yeah, go on. Yeah, and they uh, they put that on it on QVC once yes. they were selling TVs it just appears <laughs> in the background and I just love that that's the greatest moment if I was Charlie Brooker I could retire on that that was on Twitter think... that was that was it yeah I saw that on Twitter I could just go that's it it's done it's, I, I've, I've like I've now achieved everything that there is to achieve in life <laughs> I put a massive swear word on QVC I'm happy but uh, yeah he's uh, it's, it's good he's become popular and the more popular he's become the bigger his hair's got that's what I like as well. <laughs> he said he was asked in an interview, "Does he style his hair like that?" And he said, "No, he's just. It was an experiment to see what would happen if he let it grow, and now it sort of styles itself, <laughs> which is just, <laughs> just brilliant." But yeah, so if you haven't obviously had to be listening at home, do go watch it because it's more important than any newspaper you could yes, ever it is, read. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's also um, he gets the, the view of the American uh, Doug Stanhope. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have listened to nearly every single one of his stand-ups, and I. It is certainly not suitable for children. No. <laughs> the stories about him and trannies and getting off his tits on LSD and all sorts. He's um, He sounds like an interesting bloke, to be perfectly honest, but it's not for children. It really, no. really isn't. Doug Stanhope's, I mean, they put a bit of it in this series, his routine about... Um, the Brit. NHS. Uh, well, it was a bit I love about, and it was it was from a, a an old stand-up show, but it was the one where he was talking about Hitler's plan to help Britain put some decent roads in. <laughs> <laughs> because Hitler came across and he tried to bomb it all to shit so we could build it again. And what did the British do? <laughs> they threw yeah. it back in Hitler's face and built it brick by brick how it had been done before. Oh, exactly, exactly <laughs> how it was, yeah. It was just, as a routine, it's a brilliant stand-up routine. But actually, in a concept to put on Charlie Brooker's show as well, um, Stanhope is incredible on there because it gives you, you know, he's, he's as critical of Americans as he is anybody else. Oh, yeah. Because as, 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 it, it sometimes comes across, if you see the wrong routine, he looks like somebody just hates British people. Doug Stanhope hates everybody, yeah, including he does, yeah. himself. Humanity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he's the sort of person that Bill Hicks would have been if Bill Hicks was around today. Uh, uh, but, you know. Probably, yes. Um, Bill Hicks was so angry, but he didn't have enough channels to do it, whereas Doug Stanhope now has got the internet. And he can he can find more things to be angry about. <laughs> more often. Yes. Oh god, well, there's certainly enough out there. Um, Doug Stanhope does tour England, and I only recently found out he did the Key Theatre in Peterborough. Otherwise, I would have bloody ran there and seen it. Because <laughs> yeah, he's fantastic. I, I keep tweeting him and asking him when he's going to come back to England, but I've had no reply yet. So I may have to start getting offensive to see if I actually get a reply from him. But yeah. Um, I was going to talk about a, a film I saw a while ago called uh, DMT, the um, Spirit Molecule. Um, is that something that interests you, Bouncy? I've not heard of it. It's it's, it's on Netflix. Um, what it is, um, the long and short of it is, there's this um, chemical that's in everything. It's called uh, DM. It's not the abbreviation is DMT, but I couldn't tell you because it's about forty letters long. That 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 sort of chemical. Um, People who take it, mainly um, tribes and stuff, they use it to uh, commune with God, um, with the, the universe as, as, as a whole. Um, but what they did, uh, some, some scientists in America took some trials of it to see what it would do. So they had like, people sign up for it. 
um, and they basically injected them with it and see what would happen. I think this was um, early 90s, something like that. Um, now, they, they're all done separately, but they all reported the same thing. Um, they, they reported a, a, they detached from their body and went to a, a different plane where they could see people that they once knew, like dead relatives, and they understood the universe and everything was answered and that, you know, they're not afraid of death and they know where they're going and it's all very spiritual stuff and how it's really, I'm struggling to explain it, Bouncy, I really am, um, how how people are going to progress forward and, yeah. and what is to come. Um, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but... The, I mean, anything to do with drugs and stuff like that does interest me in how... Um, I mean, they did that um, Taking Ease Live on Channel 4, didn't they? Yes. With Peter Snow. Um, one bloke said it did nothing to him. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I think there's a lot wrong with the, the drugs policy of this country and many countries, to be perfectly honest. But um wish I could go on about separately, but this isn't the place for it. Um yeah, it's it's interesting. If if you want to watch something that is completely different from everything else you've seen, I would go and watch it. Mm. I, I really would. I'll go and have a look for it. Yeah. It sounds like something I'd, I'd... Well, yeah. So I have this, this one rule of thumb. If anybody comes to my house to visit, I ask them to recommend an album, a film, and a book. And then I try and seek them out. Because I think sometimes the best time to find anything is when you listen to what other people have got to recommend. And it's not always going to work. But um, I found some incredible stuff just by listening to mm. other recommendations. And, you know, you can get too conditioned to listening to the stuff that TV tells you to watch. Nah. And actually <laughs> listen to what other people have seen and then just give it a watch. You know, you're not going to like everything, but sometimes you find gems. It's it's, it's a documentary type thing. It's, it's not a film as such. No, no. Um, I would watch it again just so I could learn some more off it. I mean, one of the blokes who took it quit his job and became um, a shaman. All, all he does is, um, you know, shame and things, communion with the earth and go around. <laughs> now, honestly, he, he says... He goes around shamaning things. I like that. I like, <laughs> so in my head, I just had him like, walking down the street, like, just rattling his, like, shaman stick. Uh, just going like, yeah, come with your shaman stuff for you, mate. 50 beer go. I can't think of the proper, I think it's a verb, isn't it? The proper way to describe it. But he's, um, that's what he does now. He's not a telesales marketer or selling windows. That's what he does now. Um, I think he's in a better place for the sound of it. If you're going out of telemarketing and into being a shaman, that's a, that's See, a step up. Everyone who's done it has said it's led to a more positive outlook on their life and it has changed them all. Mm. I, no. think, I think a lot of people need need a moment of realisation and sometimes that... An epiphany. Sometimes it comes chemically and sometimes it's forced upon you by <laughs> you know a, a job situation. But yeah, I think it happens to a lot of people and too often it happens to people too late in the day. Which is, I mean, the whole midlife crisis thing is very often it's not a, it's not an actual kind of problem. It's just the fact that you suddenly realise, what the fuck am I doing this for? <laughs> what, what am I doing that? Why, why am I that person when I could be this? And you know, I think that's it's something that hits a lot of people. So they're, it doesn't surprise me at all. Their epiphany, as it were. <clears throat> I really would. You, if if you like that sort of change of life exploration sort of thing, I would, I would certainly give it a look, bouncy. Honestly, I will do. I will do. Um, so what have you been up to then, me old fruit? Well, me old mucker, I've um, I've just started reading George Orwell's 1984 again. Again? Which, yeah, I read it about. Well, I used to read it every other year. Right. Did when I st- when I started studying A level English, I read it then, and uh, I'm of the opinion that 
it's one of the best books I've ever read. It will never be bettered in many of the things it does. It is good. Um, and what I tend to find is I read it at different points in my life, but it suddenly has either a slightly different feel to it, or I take something else from it, or history changes slightly, and it becomes more pertinent yeah. in some areas. So a lot of people say, oh, oh, he was very, very kind of very very good at predicting the future he wasn't writing he wasn't predicting the future he was writing what it is to be watched what it is to be oppressed and the problem is we've slowly but surely been going down a route where we're now becoming more and more aware of how oppressed we actually are day to day Uh, so whereas in the 40s you know, there was a feeling that everything was controlled and, and you know, you, you didn't have all the freedoms that you were told you had. Nowadays, we're very aware of it because the internet, internet and yeah. the 24-hour news and papers fighting for headlines constantly remind us that the people that we pay for and the people that we vote for are the pe- very same people that are fucking us every day. And, Pretty much, um, yeah. Yeah, in, in George Orwell basically said that you know that there are these people who are just going to decide what you should or shouldn't do what you should or shouldn't think and what is acceptable what isn't acceptable and so now it's it more than ever it's kind of there cctv somebody's watching you you know yeah forget the fact that big brother's a tv show that's not relevant but but the first series of big brother was and that was i mean i watched that with great interest because it was a social experiment the first one it was yeah and it was actually a very interesting because you had at that point proper psychologists who were actually talk about psychology. And then it was like everybody else wanted to be on TV because they realized they could just get naked and throw themselves at a wall. So I want to do that. Put me on telly. And they immediately the experiments ruined. Um, interesting. There's another by the same people. They did uh, Shattered. I don't know if you ever saw that, which was a sleep deprivation competition. No, I didn't. See who could stay awake the longest. Oh, and uh, they basically had to get as challenges going to rooms where they had to cuddle cuddly toys to be played lullaby music. <laughs> and um, the woman that won, she only won because she basically bent her toes backwards to force cramp and the pain would then bring her back awake again. Nice. And she, it was something like six and a half days, I think she managed without really? sleep. I, I I'm, I'm not, it was a long while ago since I see it. They never repeated that as an experiment. No Nobody shit. seemed to want to be on that program. <laughs> no no <laughs> it shit. Was, it was just nasty. It sent you insane. Yeah. So um, they were hearing things and yeah. go through. But yeah, it was a really great, again, stayed with the idea of that kind of first proper kind of kind of idea of, of yeah. what it was. But yeah, it was um, very weird. Very weird, but very good. So yeah, with the with 984... Uh, it's, it's one of the, the bleakest kind of outlooks on life where you just in some way you just wish somebody would kill themselves so they didn't have to go through what they go through but mm. um, yeah I'm, I'm enjoying reading through it again it's it's weird some books I can never touch again I, I pick them up and because I know where it's going I don't bother yeah. have you um, have but, you read Catch 22 I have yes yeah <laughs> it's um there are, yeah, there are a lot of books that I always recommend to people they're like is there not a film of that and I'm like oh shut it because <laughs> while there can be great films of great books it doesn't mean you should never read the great book and and no. uh, i would say my favorite book of all time is um a book called curious incident of dog in the nighttime yes which is um written for children written for the perspective of an autistic boy this year or last year now the national theater did it as a a, a stage production uh, but they did it as like a, a square it was almost like a, a an arena stage and so it was all graph paper on the floor and using lights and cubes and things to represent things from the book. And that was incredibly well done. Mm. But it would never work as a film. And so, 
you know, with that, that's a book. Again, I read as often as I can. And every time I go to a charity shop and see a copy, I buy it and give it to somebody. <laughs> um, so I, I, we worked out the other day, I bought at least 75 copies of that book. Really? And given them away because I just like wow. sharing the story. And, you know, that's, that's what we do with gaming. Yeah, we'll, we'll quite happily go around and say, oh, I've got this indie game here, I've got an extra code, or I've got this. Or yeah, well, yeah definitely. That. People do it, and, you know, people used to do it with everything. You see it with bloody specy games on cassettes. Oh, look, I'll put all the Dizzy games on there for you. Off you go, you're sorted. So with, with books the same. But 1984 was just, it's one I read just to give myself a sense of perspective and facing yeah. redund- redundancy at work. I thought, let's just read a story about somebody who's a bit worse off than I am. Makes, <laughs> so, makes you feel better, yeah. <laughs> just going back to 1984, which is, yeah, it's always nice. It's always nice to, not nice, that's the wrong word, but it's it's a very, very well-written, thought-provoking book that uh, just works. So, mm. yeah, work through that. And then I've I kind of, obviously, I've listened to Pooh I thought, well, I'll pick a film, man. Obviously, I've seen work at a video shop and being a huge fan of film, I see a lot. But the one that hasn't been released over here is a film called The Collection. Now, uh, you might be aware of the film The Collector, which was made by the people that made the Saw films. If you ever oh, saw right, that. yeah. yeah. Uh, the guy with the black mask who uh, basically sets traps in a house and then kills everybody apart from one person who he kills. Yeah. Um, well, this is the sequel to that, which I didn't know existed until it um, was brought to my attention. It was a thing. <laughs> and so I did a bit, bit of search. I'll we'll order it on Amazon because don't always get it in at work. And no, there's no no product on amazon for it oh, that's yeah. a bit weird. so i kept looking around kept looking around and it turned out it's just, it hasn't got a european distribution deal at all oh dear so i thought well i want to see this film because i really like the collector i thought it was a very smart clever film it had the the worst sequence i've ever seen involving a cat which um for anybody that hasn't seen basically there's a room and the entire floor has been covered in some sort of acidic liquid and the character's about to go in and doesn't go in because a cat runs in and starts dissolving so he reaches forward, lifts the cat up. It's like melted. Its feet have melted to the floor and throws it towards an open window. But the window's also been trapped and then slices the cat in half. And That's it's disgusting. just like, it's like a, a one minute segment that just goes, oh, <laughs> bloody hell, you try and save somebody, but you can't. And, you know, if it had been any other character, it would have just come across as a, a, a gory bit of the film because it was a cat. And he was trying to save the cat. It was just straight away. It's like, oh. Um, but it, it opened my eyes to the fact that actually this is quite a smartly put together film and it was a very good film so I'll see the sequel because after reading about it essentially you go to where the collector lives and he's living in this old abandoned hotel mm. and you think if you can do that in a house what's he going to do with a hotel to play with and uh, the answer is he's basically made himself an art gallery uh, in the centre of it and then wrapped the rest up in loads and loads of traps and it was a great film. I enjoyed it from start to finish. It was just brilliant. Uh, with the exception of they, they made the cardinal sin that they do in horror too often, where they put a little bit on the end extra. Like, oh, uh, right. ooh, he, it, it, it does a point where, as they do in all horror films, the, the, the killer might be dead, or is he? Is he dead? Is he not? Is he dead? Is he not? Then they do an extra little bit where it then suggests that one of the characters tries to track down the killer. So like, leave that for a sec. Don't do that now. Leave it and do it for a sequel. Don't give me an extra two minutes of film that doesn't do anything. So, uh, but other than that, I couldn't fault the film. And I don't understand why a film made, that did well, did better than the first one in America at cinema, is from the people that made the Saw films, which are phenomenally popular, struggles to get a distribution deal. It just, it boggles the mind. So the fact that I had to illegally download a film in the first place made me feel cheap and nasty. But I had absolutely no legal way of seeing that film, which is 
for me, I think I, I'm pretty convinced that's the first film I've downloaded legally in six years. So um, it just goes to show what, what happens when you restrict things from people. Well, exactly. Exactly. Uh, the, 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 there's no reason for them to not distribute it to the rest of the world. So e- Even if they just went a digital channel. You know, if they just did it straight to yeah. you know, Netflix, which you sometimes see. You know, smaller films just get put onto a digital service. I'm not saying they should go for a full retail release, but it does seem odd when it's coming off. I mean, the writers have made or written some of the more kind of popular horror films of the last decade. So, yeah, very strange, and I'm a bit annoyed that I had to go to such lengths to get it. But when it does come out, I will buy it just to make sure they get their money. But yeah. for now, it's just frustrating that I've had to go down a legal channel when I could have very easily just done it somewhere else. Um, so, yeah, so that's that. And then uh, I went to see Wreck-It Ralph at the cinema, and uh, I've been looking forward to it greatly. Any Any film... I like, like CGI animation mm. anyway. And so for the film to be set in and around video games was always going to be a winner. Yeah. Unfortunately, I chose a day in which the cinema was entirely full of five to seven-year-olds. <laughs> and, uh, Were you no, on your own? No, no, no. I was there with the family. Oh, I had two of my own five to seven-year-olds there as well. <laughs> Bloody hell. But um, all the way through, there was all these really nerdy moments where if I'd have been there with friends of my own kind of interest, we'd have gone, look, there's a reference to Leroy Jenkins. There's a reference to Leroy Jenkins there. <laughs> all these three five-year-olds were like, who's Pac-Man? Oh, <laughs> fuck off, Pac- Pac-Man's easy. Everybody knows Pac-Man. Although, weirdly, I met a woman once who'd never heard of Pac-Man. She was in her 40s and hasn't heard of Pac-Man. What? I said, how could you, even if you're not into game, you don't have to be into gaming to know what Pac-Man is. No, I'm sure there oh. are as yet undiscovered tribes in the Brazil that know what Pac-Man is. Argentina, maybe not, but <laughs> sod Argentina. Yeah. Um, but I basically made a Christmas decoration of the of two of the ghosts of Pac-Man, and I had to explain to her what Pac-Man was. Wow. I, 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 even now, I genuinely, I hope she was just taking the piss. Because <laughs> who the hell hasn't her... I could understand if it was like Eye of the Beholder or something like that, but it was, it was Pac-Man. Everybody, anyway, so yeah, <laughs> so I was watching all these moments where I just wanted to go, oh, I love this film, this is, this is brilliant, it's got all these, uh, this level of detail that mm. I can't possibly appreciate without a Blu-ray copy to just pause it, <laughs> analyse the scene, move it forward, pause it again, but yeah, it's just, the thing is, it's not a film for gamers, it is a film for everybody, but gamers will absolutely lap up some of the little details, it might not be a film that everybody will enjoy as a story, but you can't help but uh, appreciate the level of kind of nerdiness that's hidden in there just as a... Well, they do that with kids' films these days, don't they? They, they, they do. They, and they that's the thing. It, yeah. Somebody said to me, oh, you're going to see the gaming film. I said, oh, gaming film. It's a film about gaming. I, it's, that's like saying that Disney's Cars is only really applicable if you're a mechanic. Yeah, mm. it's the same logic, really. If people say, well, the only people are going to want to watch Wreck-It Ralph are people that are into gaming. No, I'm not made of plastic, but I'm quite interested in watching Toy Story. <laughs> Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's the fact that they make it for adults as well with the, with the little references and the fact that you can sit there and geek out as well at all sorts of different things and that yeah. the fact that the kids are glued to it and you're glued to it as well which is um who makes the film it's not pixar is it no this is um it's disney so it's just disney's animation studios but it's oh, wow. produced by john lastic so obviously he they bought out pixar pixar he oversees their stuff and they work together um, but yeah, it, it comes across. They also, the, I don't know if you've seen on the internet the last couple of weeks, it's been shared around quite a lot. The Paperman short animated film. No. Um, 
basically it's worth tracking down if, if you're not going to go to the cinema to see it. It's a short, it's about five minutes long. It's 3D animation, but done with 2D hand-drawn black and white style element to it. It's, it's very, very beautiful little film. Um, I knew it was attached to Wreck-It Ralph at theatres, so I didn't see it on the internet because I wanted my first experience of it to be yeah. on the screen. Um, I would say at the end of it, and I'm not, I'm not the sort of person that would well up at everything, but it, it did hit me with a certain amount of this. This does the job it's supposed to do. It's made you hit a certain emotion in the way you're supposed. To. But very clever, very, very, very good-looking film, and it, it's actually for me that's the future of animation now. It hit you right in the feels, yeah. Yeah, sorry. It hit you right in the feels. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But, um, yeah, so uh, in some respects, Wreck-It Ralph pales in comparison to how really? brilliant. But this is often the case. It's easy to do a two-minute animation. A two-minute animation, anybody can – well, not anybody, but it's very, very easy <laughs> to do a really good, effective piece of animation. Like Up, take Up, for example. The first five yeah. minutes of Up. I cried. You could take those out, and that would be a five-minute film, and it would be – incredibly powerful it and is said they use that as a launch pad for the rest of the film but essentially that's a separate entity it's nothing to do with the main adventure it's the motivation for why he then becomes embroiled in the adventure but essentially that's just really good storytelling you don't expect it do you no and, no, no. <laughs> and it's not and you, you can watch it with children who understand that the adults are sad but they don't quite understand why and then every adult who watches it just goes oh fuck's sake disney <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> Jesus. I'm at the Jeez. cinema with my kids and we're all crying and the kids are looking at us wondering what's wrong with us as like granddad finally slipped away. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's very good. And, and Pixar do every film they do. They put out a short film before it. So the last one, I'm trying to think what film it was. It's, um, do, 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 do. what's the last Pixar release? I can't remember, but they did one where it was the people, I don't know if you see it, cleaning the stars on the moon. If you, if you see that. But basically, there's these, these three generations go in a rowboat and they sail. You know when you see in the cinema the, the big moon over the horizon? It really yes. looks huge. Uh, they literally just stick a, a hook in it and climb onto the moon and they sweep stars oh, yeah. off the moon. Yeah. And uh, it's just a really, really sweet little film, but couldn't have worked over an hour and a half. So, you know, it's a lot easier to do a nice little artistic... And indie games. You know, indie games, you can just very often complete quite quickly because... They do what they do in a very kind of brief amount of time. I think to the yeah. moon, um, if it had been much longer and padded out more, would have completely lost. I've, I've, I've got it, but I've not played it. So please, no, no, I've, it's, I've it's, heard yeah. it's in an emotional game. It's well, it's. I think emotional is the, the right word, but also it's just it's it's, it's, a, it's a narrative rather than a game. Is what I keep telling people because right. so many people play it, and it's there's so much kind of text and dialogue and stuff to read through to enjoy how people are like oh, i just want to be running around shooting things like that go and play a different game there yeah exactly this is for you um but again that you know a lot of indie games they need to know their limits it's, it works with films and books as well there are a lot of films that are just an hour too long you think if you just taken half that film off <laughs> it would have been a tighter kind of more enjoyable experience but instead yeah. feel oh we've got to have a two-hour runtime because that's the norm no if your film's an hour and ten minutes do it for an hour and ten minutes Put 20 minutes of credits on the end if you want for all the nerds that want to sit there and read all, everything in detail. Yeah. Then it'll be an hour and a half. <laughs> Your story can only be as long as the story will withhold. So, yeah, it's um, it's all good. It's all good. And Wreck-It Ralph was great. So, yeah, if you've 
kind of not see it, you've got want to see it, see it. And if you like animation, anyway, go and look for Paper Man. It's on the internet and at the cinemas. Cool. Thank you very much, Bouncy. News. Um, because I'm hosting the show this time, um, not all of the stuff I, I find interesting in the news is uh, game-related, so you will all be subjected to other stuff I find interesting that I think you should all know. But the first bit I'm going to go on about is PC gaming-related. Uh, Gabe Newell, the, uh, the big man at Valve, has argued that PC gaming will take over the living room because I assume they're going to get bigger, better, harder, faster, and more people are going to do it, basically. Um you know, with such things like uh, the Nvi- NVIDIA uh, Shield, if, if you've ever heard of it. Um, more of a, it's a, more of a streaming device. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to talk not for long about this because I did find it and I haven't actually read it yet. I, I don't know if you've taken the... I've, I've read the article you posted up. Yes, I've read it through. Thank God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can weigh in on it, actually, because as I was saying earlier, you know, the, the main reason why a lot of people... RPC gamers is because the PC's out of the living room mm-hmm. stuff. But then there comes a point of kind of transgression between the two where you start thinking, well, why shouldn't it be where it is? Why shouldn't it be under the TV? And so I could play on the big monitor in the room. And, you yeah. know, as more games seem to add, I mean, obviously with Steam adding the big picture mode and having more games trying to focus on, you can use a controller. It's yeah. very clear that what they're saying is you can get really good games the same as on consoles for a bit cheaper <laughs> with a bit better kind of online capability and potential for extra content that you don't have to pay through those for. Uh, community created stuff can be there. And, yeah, there's every reason. There's no reason whatsoever why it shouldn't happen very, very quickly. But it's it's always been a case of how big and how noisy towers have been. And of course, we're now seeing very, very quiet smaller profile machines that have got they're quite big powerhouse devices you know and i think that was mostly driven by the rise of laptops has really helped kind of say that laptops well for me if you think when you know years ago a laptop was what a poncy businessman would have when he came around to show you what blinds you could put your window yeah and then there was a time when people you know from a design point of view People don't want a PC in their front room. They just want access to a laptop. And then you had tablets come out and people were like, oh, I don't even need the keyboard anymore. I could just carry the screen around. It's just gotten to the point where it's like smaller and smaller and smaller, more and more convenient. And then it's, we've got to the point now where people now want a rig again. And they want kind of access to to something that's not just touching a screen. Although obviously Windows 8 has got some lovely touchscreen features. It does, yeah. Um, but, you know, people are now saying, well, I've got room. In here and you can get very very good wireless equipment and why shouldn't you do it so yeah i, I think it's now just a case of closing the gap really because as consoles become more like computers and computers become more like consoles eventually they're going to meet in the middle yeah and it's now who can do it first who can do it for the right price and and how it's presented really indeed and uh i know a lot of people on the forum have started sticking their pcs under the tv namely uh Bimesy, bless him he uh, seems to have that one uh, down now, and he's building himself a second PC, I believe, which he talked about in the previous show. Um, next thing on here is um, now, Friday. I don't know if anyone really knew about this, but there was that asteroid that was due to fly past the Earth. Did, did you hear about that? I, I tried to look for it, but we couldn't see it from where we were. But, um, yeah, very, very exciting bit of news that was. Indeed, and uh, earlier that day, some rocks hit Russia, coming from the other direction. Which was, for me, 
one of the best moments of the whole of the internet. Because <laughs> thanks to Russians and their crazy insurance policies requiring dashboard cameras, yeah. we got the most well-covered meteor strike in the history of mankind. <laughs> and, all, and all of it was just brought out across... The one thing I learned from it, A, that meteor was really, really, really on fire when I came through the sky. It was awesome. It was nothing like you see in films. And the other thing was how bloody brave the Russians are. Because there was one guy who was driving, and the meteor just went straight along in front of him. He just indicated, he just turned on his road, didn't pull over. If that was Britain, we'd have all just like go out of a car and go, oh my God. Yeah, panicking. <laughs> What's going and on? Crying. And, it, yeah. This guy was just like, no, just carry on. Didn't panic. Obviously, we can't see what the drive was. His like, view, he could have just been like, flicking his head around like a demented chicken but it's very casually just carried on his journey didn't didn't pull over but yeah it's just really really weird to, to kind of have sick because obviously meteorites smaller ones kind of kind of plunge through every now and then but this was for the first time seeing something quite big and it almost just didn't look real every video i looked at just looked like something from a film. hollywood yeah. yeah which is yeah i mean in some respects it's good things it means the films are relatively accurate in what they were showing but at the same time, you kind of look at it and think, we know this happens, we've, but we've never really seen much more than a like a, a quick light flash across the sky or yeah, something burns on intrigue, yeah, exactly. Whereas this is obviously was large enough to kind of hold itself out and really go for it. So yeah, I'm, I was I was fascinated by it all. See the the, the thing about the article that that really amazed me is, is that they're on about mining if they can get ten percent of it off the the, yeah. the materials are worth 125 billion that's only 10 percent. and reading through the article they've basically said that you know if they can mine it up mine it off they they can't get it back to earth because they haven't figured that one out yet but what they can do is leave it leave it up there and use it to start building things yeah so what they've got are these 3d printers 3d print that use metal yeah so they can build girders and structures yeah, and they talked about recently as well, bit uh, colonising the moon, didn't they, with the same sort of principles as well yes. before this happened. And uh, with this one, what's quite interesting is that the, obviously for a bits and PCs audience, they, they wanted to use Firefly, uh, <laughs> Firefly spacecraft with the name of the spacecraft they were proposing to use to go to the asteroid, which is Bimes, you'd love it, you'd lap it up. I'm just all I really care about is I think it's worth a try. Let's send Ben Affleck and Bruce Willis up there. <laughs> Worst case scenario, they, they don't stay come there. back. Is <laughs> that a best scenario. case? <laughs> best case scenario, Michael Clark Duncan gets to like sing a nice deep song on the way out of the airport. But um, <laughs> but no, it's I think yeah we're living in a world now of kind of limited resources. People are sort of constantly against the idea of fracking, despite the fact that a is very very good source of energy and b it makes Battlestar Galactica fans very happy. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's only a matter of time. I mean, they keep saying about going up and harvesting stuff from space. They should. This is the command and conquer rule of thumb. This is what's always been. You know, well, it's there's, been the case. there's a company called Planetary Resources, um, backed by our favourite internet provider or search engine Google. So, yeah. I, I think they've got enough money to throw at it. Well, that's the thing. It's all it takes is money. And yeah, there's a. I forget who said it originally, but I think Bungie actually said it earlier on a video they were talking about. Oh, we're only limited by your imagination. Uh, companies like Google really are. That's the case. You know, whereas oh, for the rest of us, we're limited by what's in our wallet. Um, but when your wallet's bottomless, why shouldn't you be? Okay, if, if Virgin can sort out tourist trips to space, 
I'd love to go on one of them. I you really know, would. Why can't they just sit there and go, well, you know what, let's just make a giant anchor <laughs> and we'll just <laughs> throw it up at just the right angle and then the asteroid will slowly go around. We'll make a giant track for it so we're never pulling nice. it in and it just slowly rotates around this giant anchor and we can just climb up the pole. Um, yeah, it's, it's, the thing is, it's, it's one of those things that to some point you think, well, that's complete science fiction. You couldn't possibly. But actually, going to the moon was science fiction at one point and we did that and it wasn't really that hard because we no. did it in the 60s. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the technology was nowhere near what we had. It's mostly the only issue is getting them back. That was the, the big problem. It wasn't yes. putting something into space. All you need for that is a lot of fuel mm. and something pointy. That's that's the that's the science. I mean, it's a basic version, but that's the science of space <laughs> travel. Just get out without burning and then try and get back again. Exactly. So now we're at a point where if we can go, we can go to the bottom of the sea and try and mine for oil where's the difference between going into space and mining elsewhere you know it's... there's a lot more pressure under the sea i mean it's a talking... lot more dangerous yeah, yeah yeah the marianas trench for starters <laughs> yeah i mean you, you people said um when the uh they had that massive bp oil leak and they were trying to sort of, kind of seal up the the leak and people say well why is it so difficult what do you mean, why is it so difficult it's <laughs> on the bottom of the sea <laughs> that's why it's so difficult the pressure down there that oil wants to come out yeah. and the pressure is helping it you can't and send so... a plumber down there with a bit of tape and a cap <laughs> but people kind of in their head they were thinking well it's surely it's just a matter of turning it off no it's not just a matter of turning it off so you know it's that was a, a huge piece of kind of engineering was needed to do that and it was done so yeah, I, I think, you know, I genuinely believe it's something that can be very, very plausible. And I'd love to see in my life. I'd love to see it in my lifetime that that becomes the norm. Um, that and definitely just a, a McDonald's on the moon. I want to see a McDonald's <laughs> on the moon. Till there's a McDonald's on the moon, I don't want to die. So hopefully cryogenics will just be able to help me <laughs> help me see one. If worst case scenario, a chair face can get involved and just burn the M on. Um, nice. But yeah, and I'll, I'm not going to say any more than that. So anybody knows what I'm on about, well done. If you don't uh, <laughs> fair enough right yeah um it's just amazing that the, the um what what's happening the, the future's moving very quickly um much in the same way the industrial revolution was a technological explosion and the fact that computers are starting that, that i'm sure we must be due one anytime soon something major that will happen that will fucking change everything although there have been people out there who've predicted this sort of thing um, namely futurologists and have you heard of a, an event called the singularity yes yes i have that is yeah. supposed to be coming soon and a lot of people are scared but i am not i am quite hopeful for it and if it does happen then hopefully a lot of problems will be sorted but i'm not going to go on about that because that could go somewhere else and if you're generally interested um google it but if um yeah, Google it. That's where it's all going to happen anyway, apparently. So, yeah. Like I say, by Googling it, we're actually helping it along a bit because that analytical search engine will use all of those terms <laughs> <laughs> to build its intelligence up. That's where you think it's going to come from, yeah? I, I think we're, we're programming machines to think more and more intelligently. I, I think it's an inevitability. Um, oh, yes, it is. it's inevitability, but some people have said it's going to come from a programming error. Right. someone will do something or no, gonna... I, th- I think it's going to be something that somebody's done intentionally oh yeah no no yeah this, yeah from but, a programming um, error from google becoming conscious um or a search engine because of so much stuff's put into it or someone's going to make it more intelligent yeah and then that'll make something more intelligent and then it'll go fucking nuts i mean I... The, the, the bigger version we've got in the present day 
is obviously the majority of Google is full of photos of cats. So, yeah, if, if, <laughs> what's going to happen is, you know, we're the Cravendale adverts, everybody's yes. worried about cats getting thumbs. If Google and cats join up, we're all fucked. We there's are pretty nothing, much doomed. There's nothing we can do. Those cats will be having cybernetic thumbs powered by Google and we'll all be done for. And it'll be our own fault for sharing that picture of that cat and it looks like it's hovering because it's laying on a glass table. <laughs> Everybody that ever laughed at that you brought around the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, it's your fault, yeah. <clears throat> Releases. Uh, something for all platforms at the moment. Crisis 3 is released on Friday. Is that something you're going to be looking at, Bouncy? Uh, I will probably... If it comes in at work, I will probably give it a couple of hours. I've not been wowed by Crisis 2. Crisis one, I couldn't run on anything because obviously hmm. I could barely run bloody theme hospital when it came out. <laughs> um, I don't know. Crisis two, I kind of went into looking forward to it and, and liking the look of all the kind of PR material and the videos, and then played yeah. it. It just didn't feel like a very exciting game. It just, I don't know. I, the I, everyday I, shooter. Yeah, but also even the core mechanics that they were trying to kind of bring in, like being able to run quite fast. Yeah. Just, I just didn't want to do that. I was like, I don't want to run in quite fast because then I get into trouble quite quickly. And the, I always play quite cautiously if I want to be cautious. If I want to run in, I want to be running in throwing grenades, not just running. Um, so yeah, I just I, I think the nano suit isn't a gameplay mechanic that suits my gameplay style. So the games were always yeah. good. It was always going to be a bit of a struggle. And I'm also not a fan of bow and arrows in games. So no? Crisis Three, Crisis Three. Yeah, I've. Oh, no, that's not fair. Far Cry 3, I adore the bow and arrow in Far Cry 3. Um, sometimes I do, but when it's kind of hinged on being quite heavily featured. I think Tomb Raider will be fine because it's used in a hunting element, a survival element. But in a, in a shooter game, if I'm fighting people with guns, I, I want a gun. See, the, 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 one of the few games I think where it does work, now this is going off on a tangent, is Torok on the N64. Yeah. <laughs> you were but that's, a... but, that's, but that's, a hun- that's a hunting element again, isn't it? Mm, true. You know? because <laughs> uh, as good in that in, well not necessarily in N64 but the Xbox version as effective is just walking up to them and stabbing them in the face <laughs> was always quite good as well in many ways the guns were counterproductive whereas the more traditional uh, dinosaur hunting tools if you could call it something <laughs> traditional when hunting a dinosaur um, were a bit more kind of go, go a bit more primal and yeah. it worked yeah oh, definitely and next one is Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. That is being released for all three consoles. Um, I gave up with Metal Gear after I think it was the second one. Um, they all became a bit stupid after that. Um, although I do know a lot of people are very loyal to them, and I, like I say, I used to be one of them, but it just became more stupid. Um, a lot of people like them. I know Kev doesn't like them because it's all sneaky, sneaky, stealthy, stealthy for quite a bit of it, which was something I enjoyed about it, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah this one's it. this this one's not like that though. This one's all action and swordplay. Is it? Oh, um, yeah. So well, it's a spin-off with with Raiden or Raiden. I always say Raiden, but some people keep telling me Raiden. <laughs> I'm sure it's not. It's Japanese version. Um, but yeah, it's got the best sword physics engine that they've ever created in a game, which is quite cool. Um, and I've still got no interest in it. I, I like the no. look of it. I have this thing in games. And I'll, I'll put this out there for all the people that listen that you'll like this. Um, <laughs> if you put me in a first-person shooter game and you give me an hour to give you an opinion on it, I won't play the game for that hour. What will happen is I'll go into a room which has got TVs, chairs, monitors, and lights, and I'll shoot each one of them in turn and see what happens. If the, sh- the screen on the TV breaks, I'm impressed. If it stays solid but a bullet 
visual appears on I'm not impressed at all. And if nothing happens, I'll furious. I want to be able to shoot lights off. I want to be able to spin office chairs. I had it in Call of Duty Black Ops 2. I could spin an office chair by shooting it. And I was so impressed. I, I videoed it and uploaded it to YouTube. You did. <laughs> and, then, and then I did another one because I found four chairs in a room. Um, that kind of thing always impresses me. And the little when, details. Yeah. With Metal Gear Rising, they did this thing where if you got the sword, you got a melon, you could twist the sword and cut through the melon to a point where you could do- bisect it and then bisect it again until you'd cut it into eight pieces of equal size. And that really got me quite excited, because I thought, oh, yeah. that's exactly what I want. And you could feasibly slice the, the, the side of a, the wing of a car off. And, nice. uh, and things like that. So, you know, ultimately, I should be all over this game, because it's got rid of the stealth thing, which I hate. Yeah. Given me the opportunity to do realistic physics of slicing, which I love. And, uh, yeah, just... just but I can't, write. <laughs> I can't get any enthusiasm for it, which is a real shame because it sounds like the sort of thing I'll probably get. But when it drops into bargain bins, I'll invariably buy them anyway. Exactly. And exactly. Uh, then I can give it a go. But for now, it's it's just... I think because I have no love for the franchise, very often with these kind of things, that's what drives it. If it had been an independent title and it was just called Revengeance and it had no mm-hmm. ties to Metal Gear, I'd probably be more excited about it. But I have such a loathing for the Metal Gear series. Yeah. <laughs> when the first one asked me to sit inside an orange box <laughs> for about eight minutes, waiting for a cycle of guards to pa- pass enough times to know what order I should be moving in, nice. I thought, you know what? If I wanted to play hide and seek, I'd go and play hide and seek. And that this is just angering me. Why am I sitting there doing nothing when I've got a lot of guns <laughs> and knives? I could stab them in the face like a dinosaur at Turok, but. Instead, you're making me stand in a locker or in an orange box or hang underneath a bloody railing. So I had such contempt that ever since then, it doesn't matter what game they make, I'm probably not going to like it. Um, yeah, well, a, a lot of people are like that. Um, I, I apologise if um, you can hear my wife's hair dryer in the background. <laughs> Is that something you can hear? It's 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 there, but it's 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 character based, you know. What oh, you've got there now is, is, is realistic. It's it's nice. It, it, as long as it isn't too loud, then that, that, that should be it. Um, have you looked at the other one? Because this is a PC-only title, which I think you'll be all over. Um, Transporter. Do you, like, do, you like, do you like sending things everywhere? And... Do you know, any of it knows me well. Knows I love, it. I love a good bit of transporting. And uh, if, yeah, the prospect of getting a game in which I can transport things digitally without actually having to pay my fleet of lorry drivers to actually go and do it in real life. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's good. I, I don't think anything's going to beat Euro Truck Simulator 2, though. Are you that's sure? that's the, the pinnacle for me. I, I kind of, that's, that is the Gran Turismo of transport games. <laughs> so, yeah, this, one, this one's got big boots to try and fill. And I'll be honest, I'm looking through... The details of it, I'm not that impressed. To be no, honest, you're not. I'm disappointed, Bouncy. Come on. Yeah, I mean, they have got the map from GTA as a GPS thing, but other than that, it's just no. I don't like it. Um, I mean, I'll read a quote from their website. Once your truck is all loaded and ready to go, there will even be times when you'll be followed by a colleague who will slow down traffic behind you using their emergency lights. Nice. I don't care what's behind me. I care what's in front of me that I can mash, like smash into because I'm breaking the rules of Sims. Like, but, um, right. yeah, good old Excalibur, though, putting out another one. Like, you, can't, you can't fault them. They're doing well. I have seen people on, um, on the Steam and on, in, in our... Uh, Mature gamer group playing Euro Truck Simulator. So, 
I can imagine at least one or two people will be all over it. It's it's weird actually. I mean, I I wrote a review a couple of years ago about Street Cleaning Simulator, where I basically took <laughs> quite a satirical look at the the official press release for it. Yeah, and I posted it up, and I got an email from what well, it was either the, the VP or CEO of the company that put the game out, and he basically said, "Loved your review. Uh, would you be considering writing some more? Because we could send you copies of the games." And I emailed back. I said, did you read the review? Because I wasn't particularly favorable. And he goes, doesn't matter. We know most of them are rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, people buy them, so we keep making them. Because people are asking us to make them, and nobody else is making them. And that's the thing. I know on the, on the main show, yeah, we're very kind of critical of the games. But the fact <laughs> is, they have a, a, quite a big audience. audience. Yeah. I mean, particularly the, um, the train simulators. And, I don't um, know them at all. You know, but there, there are massive... I mean, there's a friend of mine... Work for the company that made all the ex- the official expansions for it as well. He said, you know, they could just put out one train and they could charge a fiver for it, and people would pay. Thousands of people would be paying for this one train. Um, Why? <laughs> well, I just I think, but if, but it's the same. If somebody said to me, "Oh, I have a model railway in the loft, and I'm paying forty quid, fifty quid per carriage to have an official Hornby one." I'd be less dismissive than if somebody said, oh, I've just paid 40 quid for a digital train in my my game online. And actually, essentially, it's the same thing. If you're interested in that kind of thing, it's an interest. I don't ever criticise anybody for for an interest, but with these, it just seems odd because they just seem the complete antithesis of what it is to play a video game. Mm. That most people want to do something that's escapism and they want to do something that's something you can't really do in real life. And yet all of these sims provide the menial work, but to play yeah. and to, to kind of live through which yeah I, I, there have been some but then there have been sim games that i really loved i i've kind of like sim city i want to manage a city and I ultimately think... it's not it's, mm. it's more of a game because of the sheer scale and the, the opportunity to ever really do that is is zero it's, yes. it's more fun whereas for these obviously you know for some people i we have a customer at work um i won't name him his name's, <laughs> jo- his name's john he's, he's a bit weird um he really like properly loves tractors. He's got a, a hat he always wears with tractors on, and he has Spending a t-shirt. Mate. He, yeah, <laughs> but he but he's like his long term like aim in life is to own a John Deere tractor. That's all he wants to do. Wow. Um. So he comes in he, every time one of these games comes out based around tractors on any platform. He wants it immediately, and he works on a farm as well. So he, he drives these in real life, and then loves it so much he wants to do it out of life. And I said to him. You bought one for the DS. And I said, surely that can't be anywhere near the level of realism. <laughs> they went, yeah, but I just, I just enjoy it. And I thought, well, fair play. You know, ultimately, he's getting, his, he's getting his enjoyment from it. And he's spending a lot of money to, to, to kind of appreciate that. And I keep thinking, to say, I should say, if you didn't buy these games, you'd have probably bought your tractor by now. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, yeah, yeah. so it's, you know, I'm, he's an, a nice enough bloke. But he just, for me... It seems a bit weird that somebody would have that compulsion to play something they can do in real life. Um, but obviously for him, it's something he enjoys. It's no different, I suppose, to somebody playing football manager and choosing a really low league team to kind of sit and play with because it's true. It's, you know, they play as their own team and, and try and keep it really tight to how it really is. And that seems to me, you, surely you should want to win and be the best, but they don't. They want to keep it within the realms of realism. So, yeah, that's just. I just find it's bizarre, but this one doesn't look like a good example of one, so boo to that. <laughs> but, yeah, Euro Truck Simulator 2 is where it's at. It got greenlit on Steam, for crying out loud. I mean, that's, that gives you an idea of either 
the sarcastic nature of the internet or the popularity <laughs> of the game series. I won't say which one I think you're I think it's a bit of both. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's. I always think it's good that there are games that everybody wants to have a go at. Indeed, indeed. Well, I was going to suggest um, a debate for today. I even provided a nice little link. Um, but this is turning into probably one of our really long shows, which isn't a bad thing altogether, but I think we should probably try and wrap it up now, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and my missus wants to dry her hair. Um, <laughs> please, uh, everyone, donations and uh, any money you can spare. Go to maturegamerpodcast.com. Follow the affiliate links for Amazon and anything else you want to buy. Um, and the main show gets uh, some money. We don't, but they do. So please, follow those links. The forum. There haven't been many people coming onto the forum lately. So, you know, please, please come to the forum. We always want new people to talk to. And I think it's a really nice place, to be honest. It's um, it's the only forum I'm part of. I've lost interest in Facebook because of this place. And it's, it's great. I mean, you love the forum, don't you, Bouncy? I do. And I'm not really a forum person. Um, but the, the community is built up around these, both of these shows. It's, it's, it's a, full of really decent fellas and and ladies, a couple of them as well. Mm. And um, yeah, it's, it's what I like about it, actually more than a lot of them, is there's, there's an element of elitism, but it's all self-driven. There's no, <laughs> there's no we're better than you, it's just we're better than them. And that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, pretty that's much, the yeah. important point. But no, it's, 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 pretty well, it's pretty much more welcoming than most forums I've ever seen. And obviously, yeah, I'm one of the hosts of the main show, but, and I don't post on there as much as I probably should. But that's, I think, community forums should be the community. And I pitch in every now and then, and sometimes I'll just argue with other legends of the forum and good. talk about stuff. But that's that's the thing. It's nothing. You can't come in with a negative opinion and just immediately be shot down. If you could back it up, come and have a discussion. That's what it's for. Mm, indeed. Review us on iTunes. Um, the main show's got three hundred-ish reviews. We've got seventy-two. Um, I like reviews. I'm an egotistical person. I like people telling me I'm doing a good job or a bad job. I've had negative reviews. I've had people tell me that I've been on too many shows, which, you know, is true, but I step up to the plate when it's needed. So, yeah, please, you know, more reviews help us get higher, get more people listening to us, which which is good because we've got, you know, it's episode 32. We've got quite a good back catalogue now for people to listen to. So, yeah, please do. Um I would promote the uh, the main show right back now, but I'm not. I'm going to promote Bouncy's Lollacost and his Banter Snacks podcasts. Listen to them, review them. There's not enough reviews for him, bless him, um, which is a fucking travesty. Yeah. Please, go just, and listen. We just finished series three of the main show uh, with a lame is uh, extravaganza, which um, yeah. has so far had far fewer listeners listeners that we would have liked because it's we put a lot of work in and you do uh, you do and that's the travesty you know but then we always said we do it because we love making it but it would be nice if uh, if people who listen to it could uh, just share it with a friend and then that would at least double the listeners so um we're, we're doing it <laughs> in april it's our one year anniversary so we're doing a massive special that's going to finish off the actually it may finish off the show permanently we haven't decided yet oh. but um we've got we've got an idea for how the story could end for the characters uh, we want we always want to do something a bit like uh, rick mayor Lady edmondson so they did young ones <laughs> yeah. killed them off then did filthy rich and cat flap killed them off then did bottom and uh, so we had this idea where we could, there's no reason why we can't keep making podcasts but sometimes the characters we created they're gonna yeah. exhaust the thing so we, oh, they, we have yeah. we have an ending written but it's whether we use the ending now or whether we'd perhaps do a three-part series after the kind of the finale big 
big show. But yeah, so there's going to be a massive, big hour and a half long bit. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, the last 50 minutes is going to be full live audio with sound effects and music dropped in on the fly. But that's that's our ambitious <laughs> side. But obviously, you know, until then, there's uh, three series worth of to listen to. And mm-hmm. the band to snatch, we're still going to be updating, which is our discussion-based stuff. So look for those on iTunes and uh, any other podcasty stuff that you use, because I don't know much about them other than iTunes, but they're out there. Go and have a look. The, I don't know if you put this in balance if I did. I can't remember. Promote the main show if you like coats. I didn't write that, but that's a very good, <laughs> that's a glowing recommendation. Uh, yeah, if you do like coats, uh, or you like mustard, or you just like somebody who doesn't really play enough games to say <laughs> that he plays games and to host a gaming podcast, um, then Kev is the man for you. Uh, he uh, Basically, the entire podcast is Kev struggling with the idea that he's being constantly upstaged by everybody else on the show. <laughs> and as much as he doesn't like it, that's that's how it's been. That's Anna basically now plays all the games with him, so she's better at it all than him. Uh, Steve just... Steve. Is, Steve is Steve coat or no coat he's going to steal the show I, and I, uh, then i storm in with like some actual facts i, I came to the conclusion that steve has a coat tattooed on under his coats yeah as, it's as the um, final layer it, do you know what underneath that tattoo it, uh, there are three mirrors with a coat <laughs> in the middle of it so that once you get to that point there are just infinite coats in every direction you look i don't doubt it um email <laughs> If you've had a problem with the show or anything else, please email John. Um, his email is ukevilhomer at gmail.com. Any thoughts or anything else? Um, our show email still doesn't work. Um, we don't know why. Yeah. So we've decided to give everyone John's email if you've got any problems. Facebook, if you do that sort of thing. Uh, the Mature Gamer Podcast does have a Facebook page, but I believe it is only updated with uh, episodes that have come out. Um, there probably should be more interaction with it, but yeah, follow them, and you'll uh, you'll know when a new show has come out. Twitter, follow us on Twitter. Uh, the main show is at MPG Bits. When John decides to put stuff in it, uh, I'm at Fen underscore Man. Um, I mainly retweet science things and stupid stuff I've spotted, and I'm at Bounce of All with an H after the second B. And I mostly talk about everything <laughs> whenever possible. But you're pretty much guaranteed stuff at three o'clock in the morning. If I'm awake, it'll be slightly angry. Fantastic. Look forward to that. And that's us done for episode 32. Hope you've enjoyed it and uh, bye. Bye.